Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. I should have stayed home and played with myself. What do you like to do? Oh, I don't know. Play chess? Screw. Well, let's play chess. The Indianapolis Colts select Anthony Richardson, quarterback, Florida. Richardson going to take off and run. He's in there. Touchdown. I-N-D-Y. The first career touchdown. Here's Halliburton into the front court. Mishandled it, but gets a shot. Hits it. Hits it. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. You know, on a daily basis, I talk about consistency. I talk about trying to find consistency and wondered if on Sunday evening, maybe the Pacers didn't find that consistency. And then they go the second of a back-to-back, and I've heard it all. Bad matchup, up and down the floor, second of a back-to-back. They're not good in those. No Aaron Neesmith. And I'm not trying to suggest that those don't play a role, but at some point... And this is just my expectation. At some point, I would like to see them progress to where that's not an issue. And I know what you're saying. Well, if you're just an inconsistent team, that's going to be an issue. But again, last night, it seemed at times as they got out-efforted. That's the problem that I have is when another team, even in a second of a back-to-back, outworks you, gets the ball down the floor quicker than you. And I had mentioned this last night, just a couple of different things I had mentioned. And actually, this goes back a couple of weeks about the ball sticking. This team is so much better when the ball moves around. You could tell early on in that game last night, you could tell off the high pick and rolls that there was more like Malcolm Brogdon dribbling and trying to create your own, whether we're talking about Halliburton or at times Nimhard or at times Matherin, who, by the way, had a really good game. But it seems like the ball stays. It does sometimes on those high ball situations. Last night it reminded me of Malcolm Brogdon. And you knew when you set that high ball screen and you slipped that, that there was no way in hell you were ever going to get a look. You weren't going to get the ball. And then these guys, whomever it was at the time, whether you're talking about it being, you know, uh, Sabonis or Turner, if he wasn't staked out in the corner in a particular offense, you knew that they weren't going to get it and they'd have to go get it on their own in some other form or fashion. That's just kind of the way that it felt last night. And if you remember, I go back the week before last and I had a friend down in Ellettsville 
that sent me a message and said, hey, you know, it really does wear me out to have to complain about this team every third or so game. And that is what I agree. I guess what I'm asking today, this team may just be that. I just don't happen to think Rick Carlisle believes it to be that. I don't think that the players believe themselves in that particular reflection. I think they believe in themselves more. It just consistently to play at that that higher level throughout the season and especially against teams that are deemed not as good. Whether you want to look in the, the standings at where Toronto is, maybe disregard how they played recently, which has been better. And I'm sure that there are a lot of things that you look at if you crunch the numbers and you're the Pacers or you go, this matchup, you know, whether it's you know, what we have with with our guys compared to, you know, what they have with Barnes and now with Barrett and with Quickly. But really, as Pacer fans, you've seen both sides of it. I mean, hell, you saw both the other side of it when Pascal Siakam was still a member of the Raptors and put up 30-plus. And then you've seen the other side. You've seen a Pacer team that really didn't play that well when they were in Toronto and got a win. They just shot the three well. I guess you could also look at it this way, that if your best player has that type of game, your team, more than likely, this team will not have a chance. To me, it's even more than that, though, because we have seen this happen with Tyrese Halliburton playing well, Last night, without him playing well, there has been a common theme of inconsistency here. And I don't want to be reminded about how this team is ahead of schedule and you're looking at the future. These are just some things that I expect, and I don't expect to be talking about them in a category of got outworked or got out-hustled. And I know Toronto is what the quickest in the NBA in pace, and that is great, but the Pacers are pretty good in pace, too. They just didn't show much of the resistance that is necessary against that pace last night. It was a layup line. And we talk about this in terms of their defense. We talk about a play here or there. Normally, it's down the stretch. Can you get a stop? But in this game, it was a couple of different times in the second half. They take a one-point lead, and they're unable to add, or then they're unable to get a stop on the other side of that. They come back, get a one-point lead off of Mather and Make, and then all of a sudden, it's just a roaring down the floor of the Raptors, and they get an easy look or an and one. It felt like a thousand and ones for the Raptors last night. Anybody else feel that way? Hoop and harm often. And I know Rick with the morning show talked about the ball sticking, talks about this team learning from this experience. I think the problem is by now I would expect them to begin to actually put to good use learning from that experience because against a team like that, they have so much of it this year. There is no way in the world we're going to look at this thing at the end of the season and where they are in a postseason picture and not be disappointed because we're going to go back to Raptors games, to Charlotte games, to a Bulls game, to two against the Blazers, and those are going to outweigh 
those games in which you get really excited about Boston on a Monday night, four times against the Bucks on the road with a depleted squad in Sacramento. How they played on Sunday, which I thought from start to finish was their most complete game. They go from that on Sunday against a team that had won seven consecutive like the Mavericks, and then they just kind of go right back to doing the same old thing. People are asking me, I think this is the answer. I think that is the answer. The thing that concerns me the most is that there may not be an answer to this issue. There just may not be. That just could be their M.O. That's how they play. That's how they play against teams like that. That's how they play, certainly in the second of a back-to-back. And especially to find any consistency. And all I've been asking defensively is for them to be a normal offense, which clearly without Halliburton they were not last night, even though they got a great game from Matherin. Siakam had a really nice game, too. I guess you just don't expect Halliburton to have a game like that. Halliburton last night, if you watched, he he does what he always does. He gets everybody else or tries to get everybody else going and then lets the game kind of come to him, and then he tries to take it over offensively. And he tried to kickstart that thing a couple of different times. And, And to me... The thing that stood out the most about the bad night that he was having is that when he went to the free throw line and put up two misses back to back. And you could tell this was a guy that was trying to get re-engaged or maybe engaged for the first time offensively by getting to the free throw line. You know, players will do this. will try to do this offensively with a layup, with a dunk, with something easy just to show you that it goes in. Basketball players on every single level do that. You just want to see one go in, and he was looking for one and felt that it was going to go in, and it was so unlike him to miss those two free throws, and that's kind of when you knew that it wasn't going to happen. And you saw at the stre- down the stretch, they subbed out Miles and went with Obi Toppin and, and tried something new with small ball, and that didn't work either. Yeah, nothing was really going to work. And they they could afford to do that because, you know, Pirtle had, I think, injured his ankle and had gone out. But they tried nearly everything to no avail last night. And that was a major disappointment. The problem is we have looked back to a number of major disappointments just like that. And last night was truly too bad. Like, I can't tell you with the season that they're having, I, I'm not going to read the riot act to them, to you, and be, you know, shaking my fist, pissed off about absolutely everything, because this has been, of the inconsistencies, this has been at the top of the list of the most consistent, if you follow me. And this seems like it is just them now whether or not to say for example you get into a postseason and things change up a lot who knows i just think that this to clarify this to clean this up is going to take more than just having a learning experience last night or a learning experience going back to prior to the all-star break or any of these learning experiences you're talking about because they've had plenty of time to learn it There are times if you watch them defensively 
And they just, you know, they they switch on screens immediately. They absolutely get gobbled up on that. You guys noticed last night how many different times they have two guys like going to the ball or two guys staying at home. They were all over the place. And as good as Matherin had offensively, which was fantastic. And I do, I truly believe that he is going to be the player that everybody around here believes him to be. I do. Because I think that he's a guy that will want to learn and understand and execute what they're trying to do defensively. But he he gets lost in a maze often. And you saw that last night. He even owned that after the game last night. And it's true. But it just seems like other teams will switch in to the matchup that they want with relative ease. And to me, evidently, there's not another way to go about it. I wish there were another way to go about it because that is one of the biggest issues ever. Because not only then you're compromised, you get that that ball screen switch, and let's just say Miles has to go at guard to guard, and then you get a guard that has to deal with somebody down low. So you have a guard that can get around Miles, and then if that is missed, contested, missed, whatever, then more than likely you're going to get an offensive board on the other side because a guard can't block out the big that they have been switched on to. I wish there was another way. I, I know that just me sitting here saying, you're going to fight over these screens like we're all in seventh grade again. And I know that there's a hell of a lot more to it than that. But it seems like that with relative ease, whomever they're playing will get these ball switch, these screen switches, and get exactly what they're looking for against this Pacer defense. And that is especially on a night when your best player is having his worst game of the season, that is truly detrimental to the chances of this team winning. And we saw that again last night. If you want to hit some Pacers, you can. Pacers, Pelicans coming up tomorrow night. Uh, New Orleans will be coming off the second of a back-to-back. By the way, uh, that is a nationally televised game, so that tip time tomorrow night is coming up at 7.30. So we'll see about Zion Williamson playing. Brandon Ingram is pretty good. Valanchunas is good down low. Uh, C.J. McCollum is a part of it. He hasn't been because of an injury as of late. I don't know if he's going to be available coming up tomorrow night. But, again, that's going to be a second of their back-to-back. And that's that's where, if you're the Pacers, you have to make them pay for that. Clearly, just like Toronto, they rested up Toronto look last night, made the Pacers pay. They have to do the same thing to New Orleans in that first of a home-and-home with the Pelicans coming up on Wednesday and then down in New Orleans later on this week. So plenty of time to talk about that if you like at 239-1070. Email address jmv1075thefan.com. Inside the AAA Membership Lounge via YouTube Live. Greg Rakestraw is going to join us coming up here around 3.30. This is a busy evening. And I always say, ah, the sectional finals are the best. Ah, the regional finals are the best. Ah, the finals are the best. Now, the semi-states back in the day were the best. Whatever. I always say, whatever's going on at that moment is the best. But there is an argument to be had, an argument to be had, especially with this particular draw, about there in this area being some fantastic first-round matchups with boys sectional play later on tonight. Greg will document that for you coming up here at the bottom of the hour. Collegiately speaking, you have IU and Wisconsin. 
I would have to think at this point that it is incredibly important for Mike Woodson to mix in a win somewhere and in a horrific season not go out like that. That's a 90s term, a 90s cliche. You don't want to go out like that. You don't want to go out like that. That's that's the type of thing where they're going to find money to get your ass out of the seat. We all sit here right now and think, well, there's going to have to be one more year. And remember, Trace came on here a couple of weeks ago and said, you can't keep getting rid of guys and going with new guys. You got to find consistency. You got to give them one more year. And obviously talking about his coach, Mike Woodson, a couple of three weeks ago or so when Golden State was in town. And there's something to be said about that. But there is even more to say about there being no hope. And if you go out like this on a massive losing streak, that is no hope. And that has an effect, profound effect, on next year as well. You got people looking around, who's going to stay, who's going to go, who you're going to have, who you're going to have to bring in. And in this era of college basketball, everybody has to re-recruit once again. I know a lot of you are suggesting, yeah, there's some of these guys we don't want anyway, but there would be a couple that you do want, and you're going to have to re-recruit that couple. Maybe they're not having a good year. Maybe they want to go someplace else. It is just absolutely chaotic, and it doesn't seem like not just a level of chaos, but any sort of wave or ripple or somewhat a fork in the road, it doesn't seem like that this team and this staff deals with issues very well. At least when the questions are asked and the answers are given, I think IU fans are at a point right now where you just go, yeah, whatever. At first, the coach was blaming the team, and now he's blaming himself, kind of blaming himself, but also blaming the players. And eh, It just it looks like a mess, and if you lose out, that is a mess that absolutely will get you got. It will get you gone, no matter what. I'm sure somebody down there that would want a little bit a pull in things will find some money, put together the money and you do something about it. You know, normally, and this really holds true for anybody in basketball. There's always like one game. Isn't there one game where the team is the favorite or supposedly better than you, even in a bad season when you step up and you play and you give everybody a reason to hope. I'm not suggesting that is tonight, but that's the type of game that this team needs. It's not like Wisconsin has been playing great basketball either, but clearly they they have a more cohesive team. Now you can argue what you'd think. Like I think IU has really good individual talent. I think there's a lot of half-assing going on. And again, that's what I was talking about with the Pacers. What bugs you the most is when you get outworked. There's, there is not, not a lot of juice going on with this IU basketball team. Even guys that are good, they have a lot of talent, but it does not seem as if 
it is mostly motivated. And whether you want to blame that on them, the last thing you want would have energy suckers, if you know what I mean. And it seems like even the good players there will go through bouts of energy suckage. We'll see if tonight's the night, one of those nights that I'm talking about for IU and Wisconsin down in Bloomington. 93 WIBC for your coverage. Otherwise, if you're watching this, this is a peacocker tonight. A peacocker. For some reason, I still have it. I thought that I was just on the trial basis. I don't know why I still have the peacock. The peak, one of these days are all, everything we watch. I swear to you, did I see a commercial the other day where DirecTV now is streaming? Are they streaming? I think they Why are. Why is that a big deal? I don't know. They, they have these two pigeons saying, hey, I used to crap all over these dishes. I'm thinking, I like my dish. Thank you, Tom. I don't like crap on this dish. I may not like the service that I get often because there's no perfect answer out there, but I don't mind my dish right there. What are you talking about crapping on my dish? <laughs> the street. If you're going to have direct TV, just stick a satellite in there, right? What's the problem? No problem? I don't know. I just, I come from a place where, like, I was at my mom's. By the way, if anybody needs a puppy, seriously, I will say border collie, but I think there's a lot in that mix there. Should, uh, you should post uh, photos Border of the puppies. You want me to? Yeah, on your Twitter. Is that cool? I don't know. Is that cool to do? I, well, like I'm, the Humane Society, get more people get mad? I don't think they would. Everyone likes a good photo oh, of I've a puppy Oh, I've got pictures of these puppies. You I should do. post them. And as I mentioned yesterday, I was talking to Jake about this, Jake and Jimmy, as I came in uh, yesterday afternoon. It was a dog that was knocked that just kind of rolled up and littered out right next to my mom's house. So... Uh, my mom feels compelled to go out there and take care of it and uh, not one not two not three not four not five not six but seven more than the stinking brady bunch of puppies right now so maybe i'll put that up you should x yeah facebook you might actually uh, get some people go get them you are interested in them yeah should i put border collie mix which means mutt right basically if i put mix next to it does it mean mutt you could just put mutt. I think I probably should do it before they get bigger and then everybody yeah. goes, yeah, I don't know about that. It just seriously just rolls up to the house. Hey, I think I'll have this litter of puppies right here. Great. It's living in the country right there. I love you, Green County. Thank you very much. I'll send that out a little bit later on, as long as it's cool. I don't, I don't know what the guidelines or the rules are for it, yeah. Because Jake had mentioned something yesterday about you got to make sure it goes to a good home. At this point, I mean, we'll just <laughs> – the drive through. Here's your puppy drive through right here. Anyway, we'll put those up a little bit later on for you, too. Yeah, Boilermakers got a little bit of time off. I'll get Rob Blackman on the show later on this week. We'll talk about the Boilers, too. We're getting closer and closer to the month of March. Indiana State tomorrow on the road at Evansville. I'm going to check out the Sycamores with Greg Rakestraw on Sunday, their senior day. Their final regular season game is at the Holman Center versus Murray State. And the NFL Combine, everybody. Tomorrow, Shane Steichen and Ian Rappaport at some point on the show. 
maybe together. But Shane Steichen, head coach of the Colts, Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network, going to join us as we're live. We'll see if this is my only day. If we can round some people up, like the one thing I don't want to do is sit down there by myself. Like it being about 5 o'clock and they're sweeping up. Nobody's around. That's how I got in trouble with Schefter. So I'd rather not do that. I wonder if the Schefter interview is still here. I asked his favorite color. How long ago? That was, was it? such a crank. Oh, it goes pretty far back. Pretty far back. Yeah, maybe yeah, over ten years. I don't know if I don't know if I've seen anything from over ten years ago around. It's probably not. Yeah. I'm sure it's probably something may got confiscated. To be honest, because nobody was happy about that. Well, let's have him back but, on. Let's run it back. Um, I don't think he will. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt if he will. I doubt because it was only like five years ago where he basically did a rip me to Chris Hagan on a car ride once. Who's this JMV guy? He's a clown. Well, yeah, he is, but you were a jerk to him, and it's his rule. As I go by the rule from Roadhouse in Dalton, I am nice, and until it's time not to be nice. If you're a crank to me, I'm going to be a crank to you and probably drop you like a bad habit, and I'm sure he doesn't care, and maybe others out there that have had that treatment from me, you don't care either, but that's just how I work. It is tough to get back in. There are only a couple of people that are on that list right now. But if I'm a friend of yours and you treat me badly, even for a moment, then that's problematic. That's just kind of the way that I'm built. I am nice until it's time not to be nice. Shane Steichen and Rappaport tomorrow, wherever this radio row is, down at the convention center for the NFL Combine, all three shows, in fact, will be there coming up tomorrow, beginning with Swebo at 7 a.m. Query and Company at noon. All right, 239-1070 is the number. Brian Evans going to join us, the former Hoosier in the 4 o'clock hour. Alex Golden setting the pace in the 5 o'clock hour. I do believe at some point upon the return of Aaron Neesmith, Matherin solidifying his spot as a starter. Anybody else bringing Matherin off the bench? Even with those defensive lapses that I was talking about, has he not earned that spot right now? And, you know, obviously whether it's, you know, Matherin and Neesmith or Matherin and, and Nimhard, you know, somebody somebody other than Matherin comes off the bench, right? No, oh, I know. Miles comes off the bench. <laughs> How was it last night? He goes for 16 and 11. And I don't get anything last night. Like, I got crap for the 33 and 8 game, and they won. What the hell's wrong with you guys? Well, last night for sure I'd get a bunch of crap. I got no crap last night. Yeah, 11 boards, five offensive in a game in which a lot of a lot of areas were a struggle. Well, last night for sure. How do I get crap on a 33 and 8 night and a win over Dallas, a team that's won seven straight? See, that's where that's where you tell me by sending me that stuff after a night like that that you don't know your ass from basketball at all. That's where you tell me. At least on a night like last night, you can disguise it. You guys just basically tell me. All right, quick break. We'll come back. 
No tickets today, though, right? We're not doing – okay. Yeah, we do not have any uh, anything goes coming up after 6 o'clock tonight. All right, 239-1070 is the number. Email address, jmv1075thefan.com. Inside the AAA Membership Lounge via YouTube Live. Brian Evans, Alex Golden, Greg Rakestraw, all still to come. I mentioned the AAA Membership Lounge via YouTube Live. The stream, the app, HD Radio, and 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Hey, my buddy, Swanson, full steam ahead, over there. I want to go over there. I'll move over, Swanson, I'm driving. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Corbin and James in studio today with me. Thank you all for joining us. Corey writes this, did you cancel your trial? If not, you're getting charged, my man. (laughs) Wait a minute, what trial? Oh, I'm sorry. I was thinking about Jake Quarry being at a trial. You're talking about my Peacock trial. I have no idea. I probably am getting charged. You know how much stuff I probably get charged for? I have no idea. How much are we all getting charged for? We have absolutely zero idea what it is. Thank you, brother. What is my problem? I never used to do I'm leaving my phone everywhere now. Everything. Nick writes this, it's embarrassing the players and the Pacers preach they just want to win, they're hungry, then they go out there and get out-hustled by crap teams. Can't just beat the best, got to beat the little guys too. JMV, I think barring a big turnaround, the Woodson is done. He will retire and reach a buyout settlement from Rex. Talk about that a little bit more in the high school schedule tonight. Our friend Greg Rakestraw is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Where, as of right now, and I know there's still season to go, and I had said that if they lose out, then all bets are off about Mike Woodson remaining on as the head coach into next year. Where do you think he is right now? Do you think they're more leaning on keeping or more leaning on maybe trying to do something about to expedite him out of there as the head coach, as of right now? I think as of right now, he will be the head coach next year. If there's not another win on the schedule, we're maybe having a different conversation. Um, clearly, it has not gone as as well as would be hoped. Far from it. Um, the last few weeks have been, I wouldn't say catastrophic, but uh, but far from good. But I don't think you're to the point yet where you have to make a coaching change yet. Uh, obviously, I'd like to see a bit of a change of direction if possible. Yeah, no doubt about that. And, and it just, I would have to think that because of the streak that they're on and what could be that the thought is there more than it certainly has been. And it's probably not being completely considered, but maybe the wheels are a little bit in motion now, considering where this team is. True. And again, at some point in time, even a program that I think from a basketball standpoint has more resources than most, you're still paying Tom Allen. You've just got a new football coach under contract. I realize you can go to donors and collect some money. I, I know the way the world works. But at some point in time, there's an economic reality to having to pay multiple coaches, and I'm not sure you can do that in your two biggest sports simultaneously, or at least 
if you get a year further into it, you're looking at a lot less of a price tag going in both directions. At what point do you look at Scott Dolson and you go, how much are we doing here? I mean, that's like multi-millions of dollars that you're talking about here. If they were to execute a plan like that regarding Woodson, that can't be good for the AD. It's not, and I like Scott a great deal. And and so I hope nothing but the best for him. And, and again, we're clearly going to find out August, September, et cetera, in terms of Kurt Signetti. That's a, a hiring I think he got right. Um, and a lot of folks felt the same way about Mike Woodson. Uh, and it just obviously has gone downhill rapidly in year number three. Again, uh, I, I think it is still very much more Mike's going to be the head coach next year at Indiana University. I really feel that way. But having something of any kind of positive momentum would be required over the last two or three weeks. Of the so Greg Rakestraw on the Andy Moore on the Mudhoff Group Hotline. Uh, IU Wisconsin, by the way, later on tonight down in Bloomington, 93 WIBC or the Peacock, I'm assuming, for your coverage this evening. So you and I going to Holman Center, Indiana State, coming up on Sunday, correct? We are road tripping, uh, and the Sycamores have a chance to play for their first undisputed Missouri Valley Conference championship in 24 years. That's a big damn deal right there, sir. If they win their last two games, they will be the sole holders of the Missouri Valley Conference regular season championship for the first time since 2000. It's a big deal, buddy. Big deal right there for them and that program. And Josh, who, by the way, will join me coming up on Thursday. Evansville and uh, yeah, Murray State, even with some of the disappointment you know, that they've had recently, obviously at home against Illinois State, on the road against Southern Illinois, uh, this has been an incredibly special year to this point for that group. Absolutely. And to put it in perspective, that 2000 Missouri Valley Conference Championship, that's the only one since 1979, John. I mean, that, that's it. Um, and so even though, you know, Greg Lansing got in that program to a point of success, um, you know, obviously Royce Waltman, you know, had that, had that great run because after 2000, 2001 was the next year when they went to the tournament and won a game and beat Oklahoma before then losing to Gonzaga. There were other high points, but banners have been hard to come by for that program since they made the move from the small college level 50 or so years ago. Uh, and so any time that we can be talking about – hey, you're a potential NCAA tournament team, and you're a potential Missouri Valley Conference champion, that means it's been a heck of a year in the Wabash Valley. It also just seems like this this could, for teams like that, especially mid-majors, could dry up in a minute. I mean, from year to year, I'm assuming that this is with the power conferences too because you have to re-recruit your own every single year while also bringing in you know fresh, new, talented players. But especially for the mid-majors, from year to year, you just don't know, do you? That was a really good question, Greg. Well, unfortunately, you went out on me for about 10 oh, seconds, but thankfully, I, 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 did. I just got it back. So well I think I heard most of the questions. Yes. In other words, it's tough to keep a team like this together at this level. Correct. Saying, correct? It, I, I, think it, I think it will be incredibly tough for those that can hang around to get them to hang around as opposed to maybe try a different level. I think that's going to be very difficult. The only thing that I would say is this. you got to remember there are two guys that, and um, there, there might be more, but Julian Larry back from last year, Kent back from last year, Avila back from, la- from last year, and I don't have their 
Exactly. I know that Avila is a sophomore. Forgive me on on Kent and and Larry in terms of what eligibility they have left. Guys like Swope as well as uh, Conwell, those are guys that that this is their second transfer. Now I know that that second time transfers were kind of given a waiver, but you wonder if the NCAA changes that because the originally it was like, hey, you get the first transfer for free, the second one you got to sit here. In other words, if they were to move someplace else, there would be kind of a penalty that is involved with that. Other thing that I would say is this, and and you know this is coming. It's not it's not just the players. The programs are trying to poach the head yes. coach and the coaching staff as no well. Doubt. So you are right. A lot of these will be um, will, will be one year comets. It'll be tough to kind of back that up at this level. Well, and we think about Josh, and you think about Matt Graves. You know somebody else too that's had experience as a head coach collegiately too. That's right next to Josh Schertz on that bench that could easily be poached. Absolutely, uh, and I, and I I know there's a little a little chatter about him. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, I figured you would know that there's a little bit of chatter about him. So yep, I yep, you yep. Would, I'm not going to put it all out there for you to explain, <laughs> but I figured you would know that there's a little yeah, bit of yeah. chatter. So. Yep. So, some, some things we can't report on the air just yet, John. Let's put it that I way. I understand. Greg Rakestraw is with us. Normally, these Tuesday nights to open up boys' sectional play, some of the most compelling of the tournament itself throughout the state of Indiana. And we have the luxury of having some really good Tuesday nighters tonight, don't we? We do. Uh, Mount Vernon, New Pal. Obviously, Fishers and Carmel. The game that I will have, I'll be camped out at Lawrence North all week long, uh, will be Warren Central and Lawrence Central, a repeat of last year's opening night in sectional 10, which was won by Warren Central on a buzzer beater. Um, there's other great games across the area tonight. But frankly, I'm, I'm not sure I've seen a year where there are three sectionals in 4A like the ones we have this year, where you've got sectional 8, sectional 9, sectional 10 that are all so significantly loaded. If you went a little further south, uh, sectional 15, which is the Seymour sectional, Jeffersonville and Seymour maybe the two best teams in that section. They play each other tonight. Seymour has not won a boys' basketball sectional in 32 years. They've served as the congenial host. They have actually had a chance to finally kind of take advantage of that home court advantage uh, if they can get past a good Jeffersonville team that maybe isn't playing their best basketball right now, but still will be a tough out for the Owls. So all across the state, there are phenomenal games. But, again, the fields in central Indiana and 4A are so good, there's not much of a need to look past Marion County, Hamilton County, Hancock County over the course of the next few days. I just think about Noblesville and really the, the basketball programs with Noblesville have been fantastic this year and you know, obviously game number two tonight with Carmel and Fishers it has been truly a tale of two seasons has it not in one season for Carmel this year? I was doing the Carmel game heading into the Pike contest they were four and nine on January the 19th and they are 12 and 10 as you and I are having that conversation. I kind of saw it start to turn kind of at the end of December, and frankly, even before that. They played Kokomo to, to, and really played them tough into the fourth quarter before they lost on December the 16th. And that kind of gave you an idea, hey, maybe this isn't a lost season just yet. They beat a good Evansville-Harrison squad on December the 29th. Um, and you said, all right, maybe there's something there. Uh, they got to the middle of January and got through a rugged part of their schedule. Say, all right, maybe, maybe there's something to this. Then they go out and beat back-to-back undefeated teams in, in a span of five days, beating Fishers, then Lawrence North, and they have used that as a catapult 
Their lone loss is in a Hamilton Southeastern team that nobody's talking about, but John Ashworth has done a really good job at HSE. But they might be the fourth or fifth best team in their own sectional. That's how good that group is. So um, Fishers knew they had to get past Carmel at some point in time. Fishers has not won a boys' basketball sectional since that school reopened and split off from Hamilton Southeastern 17 years ago. Uh, they're number one in the state. You've got Noblesville, Westfield. Those are the top three teams in the state of Indiana going into this week, and any of them can win that sectional. But frankly, I kind of think HSE or Carmel could too. So those games at Nobles were going to be just tremendous over the course of tonight, Friday night, and Saturday night. So Greg Rakestall with us. Before I let you go, speaking of tremendous, I know both professionally and personally you had one hell of a Saturday, didn't you? Oh, my goodness. Um, you know, I was I graduated three years before the start of, uh, of, of multi-class sports. And so, you know, my dream playing in Lanesville was to win a sectional championship. And the closest that we got was in tennis. We got beat by the sectional champs 3-2 back-to-back years uh, in basketball. And I stopped playing basketball after my sophomore year. So I was, I was a, an interested participant, or, or a spectator, I should say. Um, we got beat by New Albany by six in their building in the sectional final in 94. We won 18 games. They made it to the final four. And that was some of that group played in the state championship game, you know, two years later at, at the RCA Dome. Uh, so you always kind of wondered, hey, how far could we have taken that? Well, my high school has won five single-class sectionals in their history. They have now appeared in five state championship games in the class era I've been on the call of four of those, including the last three in which they have won, and I had multiple relatives that were on the team. Uh, and so being around to see that, and, and now that I'm at an age where, you know, it's, it's my friends that I grew up with, it's their kids that are winning these state championships, kind of like that line from Hoosiers, John, like me and you going to the moon uh, is kind of what it's like. I still can't believe uh, I'm used to calling state championship games, but not involving, like, people that I know or the kids that I have seen grow up. And so to be a part of that the last couple of years is uh, I'm not even sure somebody that is a wordsmith like me has words to accurately describe what that feeling is, has been like those last two Saturdays in February, the last two years. Nah, no, it was it was awesome. I thought Saturday across the board was awesome, too, because I, I got a chance to see LC play a second half against Plainfield the week prior at Southport before Grove and Franklin played, and you could tell how talented that group was, and they went out there and showed that on Saturday night. Yeah, and LC's a great story because, obviously, historically, they have not been a, a, a great girls' basketball program um, but they're going to be good for the next couple of years. The Lampley sisters that are one's a sophomore, one's a junior. It's kind of a big four. Naya McKenzie, Layla Abdur-Rakib, uh, two juniors and two sophomores, I think, of that group. Uh, and so they will be the heavy favorites next year. The 4A state championship game really was kind of the, the LC Center Grove game. And unfortunately, kind of an injury late in that game to Center Grove may have decided it. Not saying CG would have won it. One of those great, you'll never type a no you're never going to know type of things uh, from the semi-state. The team that may have the best chance to get LC in 4A next year is their rivals in Lawrence North. They played three times this year. LC won them all, and I think they won by a combined 12 points in those four games. And LN brings back most of their team. So um, it's going to be one to watch when we get back to the girls' basketball season eight, nine, ten months from now. All right, so I'll meet you at the Coachman on Sunday, correct? 
Correct, and because we just gave them that free publicity, they should have no problem letting you leave your car at the Coachman as you and I drive over to Terra. I will, and and I'm very easy to find. <laughs> very easy to know what I am driving to most of the time. So, yes, the Coachman, we will be parking in your parking lot coming up on Sunday on our way to Terra. Greg Rakestraw is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Uh, tonight and basically the rest of the week through the weekend in sectional play at uh, Lawrence North with uh, Greg and company this evening. Greg, appreciate you. We'll see you on Sunday and head to Terre Haute. All right. Thanks, John. Terra Dice on Sunday. There's no doubt I always forget and I try to hang up the phone and that's not the phone. It's my mic and I turn it off and I'm just a stinking mess half the time. Andy Moore Automotive Group Highline with Greg Rakestraw. I have not been to the Coachman in a long time. I wonder why we haven't done a show at the Coachman. Anybody out in Plainfield? That seems like a good... Larceny Bourbon Stop or something like that at the Coachman. Right there off of of 70 and 267 right there. I've not done a show. Speaking of shows, and I've never understood it and slightly have made fun of it. Not solely because I want people to enjoy stuff. Three nights of fish in August. Is that true? At Ruoff? Three nights for fish. Have you ever seen fish? Anybody? Corbin, you've seen fish? No, I have not. And not like F-I-S-H, but fish is in P-H. You know who I'm talking about, Corbin? I have no idea. Corbin has no idea who I'm talking about. You know who I'm talking about, James? Fish? I didn't know who you're talking about. I've never seen them live, but I would like to see them live. I think that'd be a fun show. Three nights in August for fish, you... uh, they call they call them fish heads or just fish fans in general. I would call them fish heads. I think that would most, be the name. I would most of them travel around the com- or the country with fish, you know, like they did with the Grateful Dead back in the day. I think many struggle with showering on the reg during <laughs> that. Is what I've heard. They do not struggle with lighting up. Yeah, they do that. that the sticky icky me. is involved. Three nights of the sticky icky. And fish coming up in August. Brian Evans, top of the hour. Alex Golden, 5 o'clock hour. Do not go anywhere. A break, and we're back with you. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Hey, you going to stare all day or are you going to buy something? Uh, I'm going to stare all day. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, JMV. I understand what Greg Raystraw is saying, that people were happy with the Woodson hire, like Signetti at the time, but I, for one, and I think others, too, were happy with the Woodson uh, Mata 5 trio as opposed to just Woodson. And, yeah, you pair that down, and now, well, now it's Woodson and Whitman, basically, with Whitman playing the Mata role. But there is no doubt. I mean, even IU people will tell you, IU people that used to be within the program, that's exactly what they wanted. 
You just look. You go down the stretch. And some of you probably have already made this decision. And again, I don't blame you as ugly as it has looked. And again, it's not just the basketball play. It is the lackadaisical actions of many on the floor that I think everybody finds a real struggle to live with. Sure as hell to watch. But no, Rex, you're right. Everybody initially happy about that because everybody wanted a former IU guy. I think the problem was, too, that Woodson bristled on the fact that, you know, Fife was viewed as his heir apparent. And Mata moves on. And it looks, um, it is an absolute mess right now. I, I don't know how you go back and you sell anything longer term with Mike Woodson as the coach. I don't know how you do that. You could say, well, you you win. Okay. I would first start with just trying to put together stretches of minutes in which you play hard. Back to that in a second. Brian Evans, the former Hoosier, going to join us in the 4 o'clock hour. Alex Golden setting the pace. Disappointing, to say the least, with the Pacers last night. That coming up as well. AAA Membership Lounge via YouTube Live. Get there, converse, and more. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. If somebody gets in your face and calls you a I want you to be nice. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Well, that's how I am until it's time not to be nice. I live by that one simple rule from Dalton. Nice until it's time not to be nice. Corbin's over there. James is over there. I'm John. I'm right here. Hour number two, the AAA Membership Lounge via YouTube Live. You guys get in there. Did you know that you can watch... Did you know that you can listen? Did you know that you can participate inside the AAA Membership Lounge? It is the triple threat of communication. And I'm trying to think, does anybody ride herd over it? I think everybody's just allowed to. There was some level of jackassery in there last year. There's There's occasionally some. Normally, we have some good peeps in there that police themselves. Normally. I I occasionally have to wait in there and uh, dispense some justice, but for the most part, it's pretty good. I understand. We're fairly lenient on stuff in there. I think what I brought up yesterday, I'll bring up some things that normally are like a 180 compared to what we're talking about on the show. Uh, that's the AAA Membership Lounge via YouTube Live. I Disappointed, to say the least. Uh, I am through, until proven otherwise, of getting mad and shaking my fist and being upset after every third game the Pacers play because this has been a trend for a while and evidently is just who they are. Again, until proven otherwise, that's who they are. But the disappointment to me is more of getting outworked and out-efforted and out-hustled. All right, so Toronto shot it at a high clip and little resistance anywhere on the floor to the rim. That is disappointing. But the one thing that's tough to live with is being out-efforted. Especially coming off that Dallas game where that was the most complete game of the season for them. And I know there's struggles in the second of a back-to-back and all of that, but 
I am still allowed to be disappointed because at this point, I had expected them. Like Rick Carlisle said this morning to Swebo, Rick Carlisle said, we got to use it as a learning experience. There have been a number of learning. They have been well-tutored in that capacity so far this year with like games, like matchups, and like outcomes. So I don't know how much more you, you have to learn until we just say, this is who you are. And I don't want to proclaim them that that's who they are. But they give you no choice when they come up with games like that. I know Tyrese Halliburton had an awful game. Normally, that is not the case. You can certainly make an argument if he is anything, anything that he normally is, that things could be different. But it um, it was a layup line. Again, I'm not expecting them to be great defensive stoppers or anything like that, but last night, last night was disappointing. That's how I described it. Benedict Matherin had a nice game, not defensively, but offensively. Siakam had a nice game offensively. Your star player cannot play like that, especially with this group. And I thought when Rick Carlisle talked about the ball sticking, this this team is so much better. And you could tell at the beginning, and I mentioned this, high ball screen, and when, for example, with Halliburton or Nimhart, would high ball screen, Miles would set it, and most of the time there wasn't much of a notice or a look. That's when you can tell. That is like a precursor to the ball movement not being the way that it needs to be with this group or how we've seen them be successful with this group. Disappointing is all I said last night. Talk about that. Alice Golden coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. NFL Combine tomorrow. Uh, Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network tomorrow. Shane Steichen around four-ish coming up tomorrow. Head coach of the Colts. That's uh, tomorrow Radio Row at the NFL Combine. 239-1070 is the number. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, he is a friend of the show. He is a former Big Ten Player of the Year. He's a former NBAer. And he helps me sleep better at night, not by watching some of the basketball we more than occasionally see around here, but with Aurora Sleep Clinic, helps me sleep at night. The lefty, Terre Haute South, Terra Dice, Brian Evans joins us. Hello, man. Hey, John. How are you? Welcome to Terra Dice. I know you know it as Terra Dice just like I do. I'd be loving me some Terra Dice. Oh, man, I'm going back on Sunday. I'm going to see the fellas play over there and see what's happening in that uh, regular season finale at the Holman Center. Hey, have you gone to a place called Bar Bosco? It's where Simrels used to be. Have you been there? I have not. Last time I was over there, there was nothing but old Simrels skeletal remains. That was it. Oh, man, just do yourself a favor. Really? you got to go there. Well, it tell is me more. It. It's authentic Italian on 7th Street. I know that there were some dudes that had an apartment above Simrels, and we had some hellaciously awesome parties there back in the early 90s above Simrels. So this is a great eatery, man. Go check it out. I'm I do. Curious. I do. That's, I was at Ethan Crawford, which basically was diagonal from, from Simrels uh, by a block. Ethan Crawford, 6th and Deming, and uh, 606 South 5th Street. 
I'm telling Those you. Those are all crack houses now, There's no doubt about that. They were crack houses before. I've got a great picture. I've got a great picture of me having a party. Uh, and I have the closet door. I took the closet door off because it was snowing. And the snow, there was no flu in the chimney. And the snow went straight down the chimney and landed in the living room floor. <laughs> it was like Little House on the Prairie. That's great. <laughs> but I loved it, man. See, I, it's not like now. Now if you go to school in Bloomington at IU, you live in some, you know, brownstone. Right. Like, and yeah. and there, I got some friends who've got kids down there tell me what it costs every month for a, a room. Like your room is seven to $900. What? <laughs> You remember what you paid when you were in the in the snow house? Oh uh, yeah, I think I think I paid seventy five dollars a month. <laughs> That's what you get for seventy five bucks. And I left I left a check on the refrigerator on top of the and Emmett Munyan would come by and grab it every month. And I told I told Emmett Munyan I said as long as the toilet doesn't clog we're all good here brother we're good. That's paradise right there. That's paradise. As long as the toilet doesn't clog, which it'd have its issues. Because I, I live with a bunch of dudes from Greene County, because you can imagine how that probably went. Especially when you're talking across the river in Greene County. That's when it gets rough. Those so, are the bad, that's the bad seeds over there. The bad we, we seeds. We had the same thing with the Wabash. The West Terrahotians, they're... It ain't paradise over there, okay? What is that? The uh, the name synonymous over there? Is it DeGrote or DeGrote? Yep. Right? DeGrote. DeGroat. Yep. They're the DeGroat family of athletes in West Terre Haute. Yep. There was, there was, a, there was a handful of good athletes over there. Um, a few of them were DeGroats. Yeah. Uh, there were some other guys. There was a dude that was a relief pitcher named Derek Thomas. I think that he was he may have been from North Central and Farmersburg on the ISU baseball team when I was a senior. So he got he got he got kicked off or at least out of our spring break trip. We went to LSU and University of New Orleans, and he was caught by uh, Bob Warren drinking on Bourbon Street, and uh, he and some other player got sent home, I believe, from spring break. And then their parents picked him up, and they went to Florida while the baseball team got their ass whipped by LSU. <laughs> Well, there was a guy that I played against that was a year ahead of me. There was a pretty good baseball player, pretty good basketball player. He's a six-one-two lefty, really good defender, kind of built guy. His name was Steve Skank. I won't ever forget him. His last name was Skank? Skank. I love that. Yeah, it was awesome. That's I'm going to change so my name to that right here. The ride with Skank would be awesome. I'm going to change it. <laughs> <laughs> I... um. Rowdy Williams, who's a lawyer over there now, he was a little bit older than you, right? A couple years, yeah. yeah. I was a sophomore his senior year. And Tony McGee, obviously, yep. who played in the NFL, was a couple of years older than you. Man, so in Terre Haute South, really Terre Haute North and Terre Haute South, you guys had some talent over there then. Rick Petty and Scott Roberts. Were yes. At, uh, they were maybe a year ahead, but they were good at North. Mark Heisel was there. No, we – there were some pretty good hoops being played there for a few years in a row. Speaking of good hoops, Brian Evans joins us, the former Hoosier. Um, what are we figuring out down the, the stretch here, beginning tonight with IU and Wisconsin? What do you make since the last time we have an opportunity to talk on this show about what you've seen since? Uh, not not winning, obviously, is one. No, it seems like um, it's just slipping. You know, every game – it just seems like it's getting worse to, to be down 20 to Northwestern at home, um, to lose to 
you know, that'd be at halftime to and give up 51 points to, to lose at home to Nebraska, who hadn't won a road game in the Big Ten. It's just, uh, you know, people are sending me, you know, statistics, and I can't tell you the name of the – I'll send it to you. But it, it basically the, the, the story it tells, this, this chart, is that we are the worst team in the Big Ten. You know, we've cascaded statistically lower than Michigan, who's in last place. Um, but, man, we are – we look really lost right now. And it, it, it to me it looks like um, – it looks like he's lost the team, you know, and that's, you never want to see that in any sport. You never want to be able to say the coach has lost the team, but that's what it looks like. How many times in your playing history could you say, and not necessarily the team that you're on, just any team in general, where you could watch a team and feel, and accurately so feel, that the coach had lost the team? Anybody stand out? Yeah, you know, I've seen it, and you know, I'd have to sit here and think about it. But I've seen it in the NBA, you know, you get on a losing streak, and you know, I was on a team that um, my first year, and Shaq had left, you know, left as a free agent for LA um, that you know the summer that I was drafted by the team, and I I, I saw it there. The, Everything changed for the players. Like Shaq, (laughs) the realization, I think, sunk in about 15 to 20 games into the season that, wow, the big guy was pretty good. And he got us – he made all of our jobs way easier Um, just because of his greatness and his dominance, you know, his strength, all that stuff just made – you know, he was drawing triple teams, right? So look at what that opens up for all these other guys. And it it did, right? So I got there after he was gone, and I want to say we traded for Felton Spencer. You remember him from Louisville? I do, yes. Um, You know, and that poor guy had to, you know, fill that hole, you know, with with Shaq gone, and then they traded him, and it it became Ronnie Cycli, who did a much better – Ronnie was pretty pretty daggone good. Um, But what happened was the guys (laughs) – the players started pointing fingers at each other and like, you know, everyone's job just got so much harder. And then at some point in time, it's like the fingers start pointing at the coach and the coach in the NBA, the coach is the first guy that goes. And um, so I kind of saw that, you know, guys that kind of quit on him and, and in order to get a, a new guy in there, they just kind of stopped playing. And, you know, so I, I was a part of a team that I feel like kind of turned on the coach or just, to, you know, just decided that, you know, we, we can't take the blame ourselves. So we're going to put it on him. That's a, that's a little bit different. But I, I've seen it more in the NBA where you just know that the guys know they can they can force change. And, you know, that's I think it's different than college. But in the NBA, if guys stop playing for a guy, that guy is going to be gone real fast. It's a former Hoosier Brian Evans on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I pointed this out, and, and I guess you can speak to this as guys you know, quitting on their coach. But there are times they go through stretches with such a profound lack of of effort, determination, juice, drive, however you want to cliche describe it. And I, I think that points the finger. It is exactly what you're talking about right here. That's exactly how it looks in terms of these guys with their coach and the motivation that they're getting. Well, and as a fan, and, and as I watch it, it, it's even more frustrating. when Now, as a, as a fan base, we all have a pretty good idea, maybe not exact dollars, but we know they're getting paid, and some of them are getting paid a lot. And the ones that, you know, are not performing for us and, and maybe when we're questioning their effort, to, to think that they're 
you know, they're living the life of rock stars on campus. That just gets under. I, I don't know how it is for everybody else. Sure. But that bugs me. I mean, it bugs me thinking we're not getting the effort that we deserve. And these guys are making a pile of money. They're out earning all of us. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're working every day, yeah. going home and watching them and going, these guys are getting paid more than us and they're not trying. Yeah. I, and, and that's how, because Brian, these guys, they're talented. They have talented guys, but more times oh, than not, either either you can view them as not at all well coached or without the 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 desire that's necessary. But there's talent there. I saw a, uh, something the other day because now people are pissed, right? And and, and now right. stuff's flying. You're hearing rumors, and people are making stuff up about you know conversations about a new coach. I mean. I, I, I hate that part, right? The, the the rumor mill sucks. I did see something that was disturbing about um, the amount of stars, like five stars and four stars that we have on our team. We have the most the most stars in the Big Ten, and we are statistically in last place across all the analytics in the Big Ten. That's a bad look, man. That is a that ain't good for anybody that likes Indiana basketball to see that we've got the most talent. I mean, and I would say, I think we have the strongest front court in the country. I mean, really, I mean, think about it. We got, you know, a lot of very few play with a front court for one. Let's just hey, hey, Brian, very few play with a front court, certainly a front court of that size. Well, I believe we have 14 or 15 stars. At our front, you know, two fives yeah. and a four or three five stars. I, I don't know what Renew was. I thought he was four. I'm not sure he was four or five, but dude, how many how many teams are starting fourteen or fifteen stars in their front court in the country? I bet we're the only one. Yeah, then uh, the <laughs> they lose out. Brian Brian Evans joins us. It, does that usher in? a decision that needs to be made, or do you think a decision regarding Mike Woodson already needs to be made? What do you think we are with that? Oh, I don't know, man. I, you know, I, you got to put some faith and some uh, trust into the leadership, right? That they're seeing what everybody's seeing. You know, I, they're, I don't think they're watching a different game. I mean, they're, they're seeing the stats. They're, they're seeing all the same stuff. So you, I think you got to put a little trust in the group that's making decisions that they want us to be uh, relevant, you know, and we're not, and we're certainly not. Um, I, losing out, I, golly, if you lost your last, how many in a row have we already lost? Four, three, four? And if we lost five more, no, we have four or five more Big Ten games and then a, call it six more games. Gosh, if you lost nine or ten in a row to end the season, I – I don't know that there's a decision to make. Yeah. I think it's pretty obvious. When has that ever happened? I, I uh, uh, what uh, they've won two of their last ten. I think something like that. I believe two of their last ten. Well, I, I think this I, this sucks, right? Yeah. And, and that was a huge part of the risk of, of hiring one of our own. Is what if it doesn't work out? Yep. You know what? And it certainly doesn't look like it has worked out. Is how do you you know that sucks to to tell you know one of your greatest players of all time to pack his stuff that sucks you know and that, and I didn't like that was part of the risk of the hire to me and it wasn't just his re- coaching resume and they'd never been to college that was that was risk enough but the other risk is just this part like what if it's no good because 
man, that's an iconic guy and a name and a you know the Indiana basketball. Myself, I mean, it's, it, it means something, right? And you know, it sucks if that's what has to happen. But it's where we are. It doesn't look good, right? No. I mean, if if you lose your last eight or nine games, where he's at a position now with three years left on his contract, where to go out and recruit the high school sophomores and juniors. You know, normally the agent would be looking for an extension, right? Hey, how can I, how can I go into a living room and sell this mom and this dad that I'm going to coach their kid if I have a, you know, two or three years on my contract? Um, and I don't know how the university can look at, you know, performance-based, you know, the results and say let's let's talk about an extension. I just don't see how that could happen. So we're at a crossroads. I, I don't think there's any question about that. Got Wisconsin tonight at 7 o'clock, 93 WIBC. Coverage underway with Don Fisher. That begins at 6. Uh, Maryland and Minnesota on the road, then Michigan State to close out the regular season on March the 10th. And then, um, you know, obviously a first-day matchup in the Big Ten tournament. And, yeah, that um, it doesn't look like anything. Nothing's been winnable as of late, and that doesn't certainly provide any – uh, any great expectations as far as closing out the season with a win? I would have to ask you this, and Brian Evans joins us. You mentioned the leadership that is down there right now. Scott Dolson, for example. Um, where does he stand to you as far as where this program is and where this team is, that decision that was made? Because you talk about the, the leadership and the guidance. Is that something that, that you and others have lost a little bit of trust in, the way that this has gone with Mike Woodson, especially here recently? Uh, ask me that again. Ask, ask me again. Do, what you, do you lose trust with Scott that? Dolson? You mentioned the leadership down yeah. in Bloomington with the athletic programs in mind. Do you lose trust because of the way this has gone and Scott Dolson does Scott Dolson making that decision or making any other decision moving forward? No, I don't think I, I don't think there's a, a I haven't lost trust. Um, nobody signed up for this. You know, I mean, it, this this has gone bad and, it, and, and, and the product on the court is not what anybody wants. Um, not what anybody wants to see and cheer for. I mean, I'm, I, I have a ton of concern for tonight if if we're playing poorly um, that they get booed, you know, and that they're chanting, you know, fire Woodson and that that stuff, man, that hurts. That that hurts bad. Our our fan base, um, I've said this forever, is our greatest asset. They are. We we've got such a great fan base, uh, even through tough times. I mean, we we haven't. Yeah, let's face it, you know, where are we? Where have we been recently? Not relevant. And yet we've got this great fan base that cares about this team and loves this team. Um, we gotta, we've got to trust and believe that, you know, and when we've, we've made coaching changes before, we've got to trust that they're going to do the right thing, that, that everybody wants to win. There, there's, there's nothing that's going to get in the way of us wanting to win and turn this thing around. And we've got to do whatever we have to do to, to make that happen. So I, I haven't lost um, trust or faith that we've got leadership that wants what's best for Indiana basketball. We, we, we have that. that. That leadership exists. Wisconsin tonight, 7 o'clock. Again, coverage begins at 6 with Don Fisher, 93 WIBC. It is a, a peacock programming element later on this evening. It is. And former Hoosier, Big Ten Player of the Year, former NBA, Brian Evans on the 
Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Everything going okay? Getting everybody to the bed rest that's necessary, just like me, right? Now you just keep you just keep talking about us. We keep getting uh, yes. JMV folks. They come see us all the time, and we I think we've I, we think we've helped a lot of your listeners. If you if you want to stop snoring, you got to come see us. If you're getting pressure from the the bed partner, come yes. see us. If you if you were ever diagnosed with obstructive sleep apnea, and you were prescribed a CPAP that you hated and you stopped using, you still have obstructive sleep apnea. Come see us; we can help you. It's a simple mouthpiece. There's not much to it. It's easy, right? I used to be like Fred Flintstone, man. When he would snore, remember, and he would like blow up the roof on the house, and then it would fall back down when he would he, had, no, he would inhale. Cover, his cover would his cover would go up to the ceiling and then come back down <laughs> and then go back up. Come on, I was watching. We in in, in Paradise, it was like a three thirty and four o'clock. It played for an hour straight, so I had just enough time to walk home from Honey Creek Junior High School. Get some better cheddars or some better uh, cheddars. That's awesome. And a biscuit and, yes. my, and a two Mountain Dews and sit down and watch an hour of Flintstones and then the Brady Bunch. You know, it's funny. You mentioned that I'm a cracker guy. That it has much more uh, of a diverse meaning now than it did when I'm talking about. But I'm a much I'm a cracker guy too. Better cheddars and chicken and biscuit. Outstanding crackers right there. Well done. Yes. yes. Yes, no, hey, not good for you. Let's I'm not, sure it's not. You shouldn't eat these as adults, but when I was 12, it was that was a big part of my diet. There's nothing good for us anymore. I remember in the 90s when it was supposed to be low-fat and high-carb to eat rice, to eat pasta, snack wells by the boxes. Give me that box of snack well chocolate chip cookies, and now it's all bad for us. We suck. So let, me, let me throw this one at you. Um, avocado. I remember, like... My mom wanted me to eat it. I didn't like it. It was green. Yeah. Um, guacamole. My mom and daddy in there like, oh, this is, you know, don't eat very much. It's really, really fatty. And now Tom Brady eats like he's the greatest athlete still playing when he's 50 years old. And, and he eats, you know, 20 avocados a day. I mean, come on, man. How, how We were just being lied to. How do we? I thought Mountain Dew was healthy. Yeah, see, I mean, I thought every morning if you got up and had a, a Mountain Dew and a honey bun, a Hostess honey bun, that that was a nutritious breakfast. Because <laughs> they told us eggs eggs were bad. They were high in cholesterol. Eggs, apparently, in 2024, are like the healthiest thing you can eat. I quit. We stink, I, I man. Wrote, I, I, just, I still know it's not chicken and a biscuit. Oh, I love that, though. That and better cheddars. Like, the only thing I didn't like was what they called sociables. I didn't have any taste, just like wallpaper paste. But the other no, two were money. Yeah. No good. I hey. could be talking to a Trisket occasionally. Hey, one of these days we got to head down to Bloomington and go to Buffalo's or something and hang out for a minute, all right? I was there yesterday, pal. Were you really? I was, uh, I was through there on Sunday. True story. Nice. Yeah, because hey, my kids will open it in Carmel in a couple months. I, I'd like to have you up into my neck of the woods. Let's we'll do it. I love hey, Buffalo's. Uh, here's what's cool. You ready for this? Yeah. They are going to um, wait the tables, so there's going to be a staff, um, a staff to you know, so you're not going up and ordering at the window and sitting down with your food. And they're doing beer, wine, and spirits. Pal, they're going to have spirits at this what one, so spirits. I'm excited. I am spirited when you're talking about spirits, right there. Let's do it. All right, I'm, I, in. I'm I went, hosting you. Come on up. I went to Buffalo's in Bloomington and got a bunch of stuff before the Super Bowl too. My kids wanted to go. So we went in there. 
best wings, period. End of yep. story. Yeah, and then we stopped on Sunday and went through there because my kids wanted to go to uh, Five Guys on Kirkwood. But my kids love Kirkwood, so I took them by for a minute. So there you go. The other place, by the way, is Cafe Pizzeria. Yes. It's, it's underrated. Nobody knows about it. It's a little sneaky spot of mine. Great pizza. I think the best pizza down there. Village Deli. Another one right there. There you go. All right, hey, let me know. <laughs> let me know when you're ready to go. We're going. All right, pal. You got it. Brian Evans right there on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Thank Brian for that. Hey, we got time to talk to Evan right now. Oh, Corbin's shaking me off. You got it. Can you hang a minute, Evan? I'll tell you what. Hey, put his mic up just for a second. Evan, you can hang for a minute? Yeah, Evan Cheryl is in here from Cluster Truck. And I ordered cool. something a little bit different this week. Did you notice? I did. I'm I'm excited. Yeah, that's a good I'm one. I'm excited. Now, that's a home game that I've got to be playing eating that. <laughs> that is not an away game I'm playing eating that. But we'll talk about that. Evan's going to be in studio with us. Alex Golden, top of the hour. Again, IU and Wisconsin from Bloomington tonight. Six o'clock. Your coverage begins. 93 WIBC. I don't have a window I can't see. That sounds funny. Might as well be a referee. No, that's what they used to yell at high school games all the time. But we'll keep you updated on weather because they say some inclement, maybe even jacket off type of weather could be on the inbound. That and more coming up. Don't go anywhere, too. 93.51075, the fan. Good to see you, brother. <laughs> you, too. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you. Thank you. You guys, you guys, uh, Trip me up with the oh, yeah. the the. I'm out. I'm out for the rest of this week. Oh, this nice. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. All right, we got Alex Golden, top of the hour. Thanks to Brian Evans for joining us. Both he and Greg Rakestraw podcast at 107.5thefan.com. Shout out to everybody that said that Corbin left our mics on here during the break. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts. Let me see who else. I love you guys for telling me. That uh, means we got lots to see. What you guys don't know is that is a test to see how many listeners we have. I got a message from Andy Sweeney about it. Sweebo? Oh, yeah. Sweebo is listening. Matt Taylor is listening. Knezovich is listening. And a variety of people listening to the show right now. So that is, for those of you who don't know, that is not a procedure type of mistake from Corbin. I just want to see how many people might be listening. Actually, it was a mistake by Corbin, and it's a good thing I wasn't talking about my social security number or cell phone number or anything like that, right? Say, I'm really proud of us for keeping it clean during that uh, during that break right there. Whose mic was on here? Was it Evans? I think it was Evans. Evan Sherrill is in here from Cluster Truck. Was your mic on? Uh, it seems that way. What were way. you talking about? Sweet. Did your dad say that he heard your mic on too? <laughs> father-in-law. My father-in-law. Father-in-law. Yes, father-in-law. Yes. Correct. Did you say, no, it's not, man. These guys are professionals in here. They're not <laughs> leaving my mic on, just in case. How you doing? I'm good. Uh, a little more nervous now that you said Matt Taylor's listening to my voice on the yes. radio. But, uh, are you a little bit more nervous? Just a little Why bit. Why would you be more nervous? I'm used to hearing him. I, you know, it shouldn't be the other way around, I don't think. Awesome. Dude, have you ever met Matt? I have not. Awesome, dude. I believe that. He was the producer to the show. He had 
he had one of the greatest Super Bowl lead-ups because I had been blackballed by ESPN for fighting with uh, Adam Schefter, and he couldn't get anybody from ESPN on the show, but he landed Adam Sandler on this show. Wow. Like, I, the, the biggest of all time. And uh, Sandler was awesome. So that was Matt Taylor before Matt Taylor became voice of the Colts right there. That's spectacular. He wow. is a dude right there, all the way around, one of the greatest of all time right there. Yeah. We'll have to introduce you guys. Let's send him. I'll get his address, and we'll send him some cluster truck. I would love for him to try cluster truck. That you think would be he would fantastic. like what I ordered today? What is it that I ordered? You got the your or the etouffee your way. It's a oh, yeah. vegetarian base. Uh-oh. You added the chipotle shrimp. I did. So it's a good meal for everybody. That's it's a home game, rice. by the way, for me. <laughs> That's it's a home good. game. I can't even say etouffee with. Uh, if I say it out loud, I'll probably have to. <laughs> Go to the facility, but that's a home game for me right there. It's a good one. Developed by our uh, Chef Mike from our downtown Indy Kitchen. It's relatively new to the menu, too. So, yeah, Shout got a good out one. to Chef Mike Shout right out. there. I love a little Cajun flavor. I got that. I think some jasmine rice maybe Correct. in there, too. Some in our black beans, yeah. Oh, black beans. That is definitely a home <laughs> definitely game. Definitely a home game. Man, <laughs> that is great. So, yeah, that's the first time I'm away from the uh, mahi, but I'm very, very happy. What else did you bring? I brought some, well, I think they might have heard it over the break, brought some smoked pork tacos for Corbin. <laughs> uh, that's uh, our house smoked pork. So shredded. everybody heard that the uh, the front desk lady's not here. She so is not here. She's not here, so Corbin gets the Correct. That, yeah. I'll so. bring these back for her next week, though. Tisa, she's great. And then uh, for James, I'm throwing darts, but brought a smoky jalapeno Mac Daddy sandwich. Oh. Par- Parmesan crusted okay. Texas toast. Our house made jalapeno cream cheese. The same shredded pork, and it's got our mac and cheese on there as well. It is fire. Very good. Mac Daddy make me want to jump, jump <laughs> right there. That's awesome. That's what you have, James? Say, I'm, I'm quite happy with that. James that is going amazing. to Florida, I think. Oh, tomorrow? yeah. I'm going tomorrow. Yeah. He's tomorrow going morning. to Florida. He's going to fly down there, too, so he'll be uh, polluting the aircraft. <laughs> I was going to say, this might not be the sandwich for that Florida bod, but... Uh, it's a good one for sure. Oh, I, I gave up on the Florida bot a long time ago. <laughs> so what are we doing cluster truck wise? How are things going? Good. Great. Very, very good. We, uh, you know, just released that walleye like I've been talking about. Love the walleye. Um, I almost went with a walleye. I did. Maybe. Hey, maybe next week. Is that grilled or is that breaded? It is grilled. Yes. See, I, sh- I, I almost went with the walleye and I didn't. I yep. went with the atofay. We've got a uh, a new partnership with the Riley Children's Foundation. Well done. Yeah. So uh, everything, most things on our kids menu um, anything you order there, we'll give a kickback to the Riley Children's Foundation. Nice. So that's good. Um, and releasing a Dunk Fest special in tandem with, uh, I'm not allowed to say this in my marketing, but on here, right. I think it's fine, March Madness. Yes. So uh, we're excited about that. The game's coming up next month. So yes. you've got special deals is what you're saying. Correct, yes. Dunk it's, Fest. It's a, it's a all dunkable items meal. It'll be for a good price and uh, doing some promotion with a couple Butler basketball players for that. Are so, you really? Yeah, excited about that. Nice. Very excited about that. Dunk fest going on. Evan Sherrill of Cluster Truck. How can people get a hold of you? Let's just say, for example, tonight, I don't feel like jacking with dinner at home, so I'm going to order from Cluster Truck. How easy is it? Yep. You don't feel like cooking. You live in Carmel, Fishers, Broad Ripple, Castleton area, uh, Indianapolis, Little Flower, Fountain Square, we anywhere around here. We gotta get you down here. to Bargersville here soon. We do, we do. <laughs> Hurry <laughs> up! Hit yes. us up, clustertruck.com. Uh, download our app. It's Cluster Truck on the App Store. Uh, we deliver everything for free. Um, 
It's Love all it. good food, scratch-made food. Greenwood? Made by our you chefs. go as far as Greenwood? We do not. Not yet. Not just yet. On the fringe yet. of Greenwood. Do you just go like to stop 11 then, or <laughs> County Line Road? We end down at like Fountain Square area. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. Yeah. One of these days, you'll get oh, all yeah. the way down there. Oh, yeah. Very soon, hopefully. That's awesome. Well, the food has been absolutely spectacular. I know you're bringing it for Sweebo in the morning as well, but uh, let's get some, we'll get some to Matt Taylor. I'd love that. that. Hey, that'd be great. That's what we need to do. We need to give away some time, just like meals from Cluster Truck on here, because people would dig that. I that'd think. be fantastic. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to set up some more giveaways for the morning show. Um, just gift card giveaways for the pop quiz. Love to set some up with you guys as well. See, it's a lot different because be we're like clean. You go in the morning and these guys haven't washed. <laughs> they, they just get up and roll in here at the last minute, have hats on, hat hair, dirty, greasy hair. Have a get a shower or anything. We're we're like scrubbed up in here. Oh yeah, no, I appreciate that. Yeah, but, you know, I, I heard this morning in the coming weeks, KB will start showering for the the job at IU. So so we'll oh, be good. Well, we'll Sweebo hadn't taken it. He, I when Sweebo <laughs> start here, I don't think he showered one time before he came into this building. It was it was it at the end of last year, sometime yeah. in mid mid late last year. I'm not sure that Sweebo has running water. I think he still has. I think he has to go outside and, and pump the water, and they have an outhouse over there. Hey, he, he lives in. He my... brought that up from Northern Kentucky, where he's from. <laughs> oh, okay, I was going to say he lives in my neck of the woods, so oh, I don't want to go that far. But they, they have indoor plumbing there. We, we do. Okay. Yeah, we do. I, yes. I was, well, I mean, I consider he's from Northern Kentucky. I thought maybe he just brought up the concept of no indoor plumbing where you guys are. Yeah. No, that's so fair. No. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's Swebo. Swebo has not washed one time, I think, since he started here. Shout out to Sweebo right there. One more time, Evan Sherrill, how can people get a hold of you for dinner tonight? Yep, clustertruck.com or download our app. That's Cluster Truck on the App Store. Free delivery. You got it. Evan, thank you. Thank you. All right, thanks for not cussing, too, when the mic was live <laughs> in here, Corbin, everybody. Quick break. We shall return. Your calls at 239-1070. And all we've talked about today, including the easy money that it has been for some of you Betoras out there. With the second half of a back-to-back with the Pacers, they have one more of those. That just has not gone well this season at all. We'll double back and talk about the Raptors-Pacers from last night. Again, Wisconsin-IU tonight, 7 o'clock down in Bloomington. And NFL Combine tomorrow is going to be fun. I'll tell you when we will be there and who will join the show coming up tomorrow as well. Alex Golden setting the pace, top of the hour. Me and you on the other side in the AAA Membership Lounge via YouTube Live, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Corbett's here. James in studio. Thanks to Evan Sherrill of Cluster Truck. Etoffee is what I'm going with tonight. Get that order in if you want to. If you don't want to have to cook tonight, maybe you're watching IU at home, whatever. You, the family, Cluster Truck will make it happen for you. That's from Tyler King. Hey, don't forget about Super Bowl winner Steve Weatherford out of Terre Haute North who won his Super Bowl in Indy with the Giants. That is true. When I was talking to Brian Evans, the pride of Teradice a little bit earlier, we were going through sports legends from, as they like to say on the outside, Vigo County. It is Vigo County. We were going through some of those legendary players from Vigo County. And we did not mention the punter Steve Weatherford. Uh, That is true. We've actually had uh, Tommy John's been on the show a couple of different times in the past. Of course, so important and had a, a great, and I mean a long, great Major League Baseball career. 
but also synonymous with Tommy John surgery, which uh, obviously has saved a lot of careers going back uh, many decades without question. Thank you, Tyler, for that. I did not remember that. Uh, That's from Jeffrey. Hey, JMV, I'd be interested in one of those pups. Puppies are what we have here. Not in studio, actually. My mom's got like seven of them when a dog just like rolled up out of the woods. And there you go. There's a bunch of puppies right there. Uh, We like to call them a border collie mix. I'll send out some pictures and see if you want them. I mean, hell, I'll even run down and get them for you. How about that? And my mom will probably take your number to make sure that you're dealing with them right. And you'll love that. Uh, BT writes this. Someone come to the Mad Ants game and keep me company. <laughs> Mad Ants in action today. Hey, Pacers last night, I mentioned this, incredibly disappointing it was. Unfortunately, it has become such the norm that I go back a couple of weeks with this philosophy. It was uh, Casey down in Ellisville that said, you know what? I get kind of tired every third game of complaining, shaking my fist and getting mad about this Pacer team. At what point does this become just who they are? And we have been at that point for a while. Like I'm not overly depressed about it, but if there has been – an opportunity. As Rick Carlisle said this morning with Swebo, uh, it's a a learning situation from last night. You got to learn from it and move on. You've had so many of these instances where this has happened, just like this. And now it doesn't seem like it's something that they're going to learn from. It's just who they are. I'd be curious to know from Pacer fans. Do you think they're more? Are they more of what we saw last night, or more? of what we saw. Where's the lean here? More of what we saw on Sunday at home against Dallas. I know that that level of play from start to finish against a good team in Dallas that had won seven consecutive prior to, I'm not going to say that I would suggest they play at that level night in and night out. But let's just face it. They, they go from sun up to sunset. That's how different those two games were in a back-to-back situation, and it's been like that a number of times. And it's been like that this season against teams that, let's just face it, are of a lesser quality than the Pacers, especially at home. And that home date last night and the way that they lost that game just kind of magnifies the disappointment that it was. But as far as trying to learn from it, you would think, because we've seen it happen, so many examples so far this year, that had they been capable of learning and then performing, moving on from it, that they would have done that by now. So that's kind of where I am. I'd rather have the lean to the Sunday performance against Dallas. But again, last night was all too familiar to Pacer fans, and that is unfortunate. Uh, tomorrow night, I'm going to be going to the game with the Pelicans and the Pacers. That's at Cambridge Field. Now, 7.30, remember, tomorrow night for that because that is a nationally televised game. I'm assuming, too, if uh, Denary or, or somebody's listening right now, I'm assuming, JJ, I'm assuming that that also is a Bally game, too, even though it's nationally televised tomorrow. Because you know where I stand. I, I know, like, national... The national set will swoop into town 
But that does not detour me. I still watch Denary and and Jeremiah and company there. I'm still going with uh, the local people that have been around this thing the entirety of the time. And obviously listening to it right here with Mark Boyle and company. That's tomorrow night. 7.30 is that tip time coming up tomorrow night. 7 o'clock tonight down in Bloomington, Wisconsin and IU. So if you're an IU fan, should the wheels be in motion right now? For Mike Woodson, or if, or it's just going to be a lose-out situation to where Mike Woodson loses his job, potentially. Does it have to be that dreadful of a season for a change to be made? And I asked Brian Evans this, and he disagreed in Scott Dolson being on the hot seat, but considering where Scott Dolson has been in this decision-making, how would he not be? He's a nice guy, don't get me wrong, but you look at where they are right now, and if they were to end the season on such a note as we describe, you know, where is he as far as the decisions that have been made? And the buyout money, I think upwards of $20-plus million if they were to have to do something regarding Mike Woodson, if they feel compelled to do that at the end of the year. That is a lot of money and a lot of failure. So where should the decision maker be as far as that is concerned? That coming up on the other side, setting the pace, it is Alex Golden. Did Benedict Matherin, once Aaron Neesmith returns, did he still solidify his place in the starting lineup? Had a tremendous offensive game, to say the least, last night. Should Matherin be a starter upon the return of Neesmith? When might that return be as well? Those questions and more coming up from Setting the Pace. Alex Golden, 5 o'clock hour. Your calls as well inside the AAA Membership Lounge via YouTube Live. Don't go anywhere. 93.5107. Find the fan. For John. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Uh, Brian Evans, the former nba Big Ten Player of the Year, former IU player. Hoshin talked about IU situation, IU Wisconsin tonight from Bloomington. That's a 7 o'clock start, 6 p.m. as we end. You can go ahead and haul ass over to 93WIBC and listen to John and Don and Eric on the pregame show. Again, 7 o'clock if you're listening, 93WIBC. If you're watching, you have to have that subscription to the Peacock. The Peacock would be at your service. So is that James, does that mean that is um, that's Noah and Robbie tonight? I think so. We got to get Noah back on sometime soon too. I think the last time it was the first time Noah had called a game in Bloomington. Oh yeah, I think was the was. last time we had Noah on here. Noah Eagles, who we're talking about. We got to get Noah on. Gotta we got to get, get Ian back on too. Ian's the voice of the Final Four on CBS. I was watching last night. Here's another one too. We're going to do some. Uh, Gonna do a little bit of uh, of show meeting, show prep right here. But um, who was I watching last night on NBA TV? Um, we have on all the time. Why can't I think of it right now? One of the play by play guys for CBS. Like, yeah, uh, Spiro. Yeah, Spiro. Spiro? Yes, I think Spiro was doing NBA TV last night, doing the Heat and the Kings oh. 
from Sacramento. So we got to get him on at some point as well. I got a big month of March coming up. NFL Combine tomorrow. If you're out and about, we'll look for a radio row beginning at three. I have been told that Shane Steichen, the Colts head coach, will join me at about four or four-ish coming up tomorrow for Shane Steichen. And uh, Ian Rappaport joins us in the 3 o'clock hour coming up tomorrow as well. So at the NFL Combine, which means I got to go down and get my credentials before noon. Who came up with that idea? Before noon. <laughs> tomorrow at the NFL Combine downtown at the convention center. All right, 239-1070 is the number. I got time for you on the other side, so jump on here. AAA Membership Lounge via YouTube Live. Thank you all for tuning in and enjoying. And on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, setting the pace is where you can find the podcasting. And a friend of the show coming off a disappointing game last night at Cambridge Fieldhouse and a pacer loss to the Raptors, Alex Golden joins us. Again, Alex, thank you for the time. How you doing? I'm doing good, JMV. I'm glad you're doing better and back in the saddle. So, uh, I I, um, I was having a problem last week. I had a big problem. So I, yeah, I heard about it. <laughs> big problem last week. I'm glad I'm back too. I still feel like I'm getting texts. People want me to play a little hoop tonight, but I still feel a little bit puny. I don't really know how to describe it other than that. Just a little puny is how I'm feeling. Not quite what yeah. I normally would. Yeah, I mean, I think you just got to take it easy at this point. I mean, we know we could – I know you can still knock that three down, but, I mean, don't well, push yourself too much. I'm not sure. I'm going to have to call over to Center Grove and make sure they have some uh, uh, paddles, some, like, stroke or heart attack paddles, I think, ready. Some, I don't know if they have uh, those right now. I may have to have those standing by yeah, you, just in case. <laughs> Absolutely. I have those uh, just for my protection when I play at an old age at night. So I heard Rick Carlisle say this morning to Swebo that, you know, it's a learning experience. And I'm not making light of that comment because, you know, you, you can't just say, hey, we sucked at this and we sucked at that and lack of effort and this and that. You do want to make that a learning experience. But to me, there have been so many examples of a game like that against a team like that this year that I think they're beyond the learning experience. It kind of just who they are, right? It's the team that they are right now. Yeah, I mean, they, they always say the right thing in the locker room, post-game press conferences, stuff like that. But I think actions speak louder than words. So, for me, it's like, yes, you know, Carlisle's not going to throw his guys into the bus publicly. I, I totally respect that. I get that. But, yeah, I mean, Halliburton's talked about it several times. Like, we can't let these games happen. They have to have a great win against Dallas. you got to come back and have a, a good win against the Toronto team. That's, you know, under 500, trying to make a push for the play-in. But, like, you're better than Toronto on paper. So, you got to win those games. The defensive effort was uh, very poor last night. So I, I just, yeah, I feel you. I, I think that it is a learning experience, but how many more do you need? I and, and you bring it up, too. When he went to the effort category, or out-efforted as I like to frame it up, when you go there, that that's problematic. That's more than just being beat by a team that is shooting it better. I mean, when you're talking about just more effort on the other side, that's even more problematic to me, Alex. Yeah, no, I agree. And honestly, like, they've been so bad. They're two and nine now on the second night of a back-to-back. And maybe it's just a mental thing. They see it now. They're like, oh, we're we're in hot doo-doo if we we can't get this one. But I don't know. I uh, – 
to me, I just feel like at this point, the Pacers have to do a good job of, of continuing to mature. They've got a little bit more uh, maturity on this team by acquiring Pascal Siakam and things like that. But still, you know, Halliburton, I heard this on NBA TV postgame. They were talking about the, the performance from Halliburton and how bad it was last night. But they were like, he only was 2 of 11. Like, when a guy's really struggling like that, I want to see 4 for 18. I want to see him try to get his shots. And it just kind of seemed like he was just not in it. But, yeah, I – I, I don't know. It was a tough loss. It's not the end of the world. I mean, Toronto's been playing a little bit better. I think they're kind of settled in now with who they are as a team since they've made the trades. But, you know, if this is a Pacers team that's trying to be a playoff team, and as Rick Carlisle said on the morning show, uh, trying to get top four seed, like that's what their goal is, you can't have mental lapses and, and, and you know, good experiences uh, and resulting in a loss like they did last night. All right, so Alex Golan is setting the pace on the Andy Moore Automotive of Coup Pipeline. Two things I got out of what you just said. One was the ball sticking. And I'm not I'm not trying to make this an indictment whatsoever of Pascal Siakam, who had a nice game last night. But does it kind of seem like we had pushed that off on well, Halliburton had been out or, you know, guys hadn't been in the lineup. But does it seem like with Siakam the ball sticks more, or at least it has since he's been here? And to me, for this team, that is an offensive detriment because they push it up and down the floor so well. Is that just me seeing that, or is that something you have seen that is accurate as well? Yeah, I wouldn't say that I've necessarily seen where, like, with Siakam it sticks more because I feel like there's times he should be more aggressive and get the ball more. I I still feel like a lot of the offense is still that that pick-and-pop, pick-and-roll with Miles Turner and Tyrese Halliburton. I just feel like one obvious – and this is a a clear point you can see, they just missed that spacing without Buddy Hilt out there. And it's easier for teams to kind of pack the paint against this team. Not a lot of respected three-point shooters out there aside from Ty and Miles. Like, I know Siakam shot pretty well here, but nobody's within – five feet when he's shooting a three most of the time. He's kind of being left open. Same with Matherin and Andrew Nimhart. These are not guys that you consider three-point threats. And you, you can see where they do miss a guy like Aaron e. Smith out there for his floor spacing. But I feel like the big thing for me that's gone down, and this is probably uh, more of a trying to get better defensively, is the pace. I feel like the pace from the beginning of the year to now has slowed down significantly. And I feel like it's even gotten slower with Pascal here, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense considering – that Pascal was so good in transition with Toronto, it seems like they're not playing to his strengths as much in terms of going back to playing more of a faster pace. And I could be wrong based on what the numbers say, but it just feels like their pace has not been nearly as fast as it once was earlier this year. And I think that to me uh, says more about the ball movement because when they're playing fast, that's when things get going. When they're kind of stuck in a half-court offense, I think the ball is going to stick a little bit more. It was weird last night. Alex Golden joins us. At the start of the game, they were still scoring, but Halliburton off the dribble, and this is was in high ball screen actions. You know, normally he gets miles going You know, by virtue of that slip from the high ball screen. And there were a couple of different times when he chose to go all the way or maybe it was Nimhart, who you kind of know is not going to get it to Miles when he's in that particular action, and Matherin is the same. You know, Miles, you know, hit early shots, but it wasn't in what we have seen the recommended offensive variety that normally gets everybody going. He hit shots, they started out offensively well, but it didn't seem like it was in the capacity that we're used to seeing, especially off that action with Halliburton and Miles. 
Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I just think that Toronto did a really good job disrupting what Tyrese wanted last night, and it got him uncomfortable. And he didn't really, like, I don't know. He did okay. I mean, he still had seven assists, right? Like, that's not a low, low number, but it's low for Tyrese. It's pretty below average. So, I think that was a factor into it. And trying to get Tyrese off the ball a little bit more, the way they were, Toronto was guarding him, I thought was somewhat smart. They did it a few different times but didn't do it enough. And I think they could kind of lean into that a little bit more. Uh, it sounds crazy to take Ty off the ball, but if he's being guarded a certain way and they don't have Buddy out there like they did before to kind of use him as a floor spacer, you know, initiate stuff with, with Nimhard where maybe you can allow Tyree to kind of be that floor spacer a little bit to create that space because Turner was excellent against Dallas. I mean, what he did was just phenomenal. He was scoring at all three levels. And it was kind of weird last night because I felt like he just really was not in the right position for where he could succeed. And I think Toronto got to give them a, a little bit of credit, but Rick Carlisle even said it like they didn't do a good job enough making the, the proper adjustments to get their guys open. So it, it could be just leaning into a little bit more coaching wise to emphasize certain things. But yeah, I, I felt like it was Toronto just did a really good job defending time, making them uncomfortable and trying to disrupt that pick and roll. I mean, Miles had some nice pick and pops there in that game. It wasn't just like he was bad the whole time, but like, they just did a good job of kind of limiting what they could do. Yeah, I just normally they just get off the mark in doing that early in the game. That's kind of how I think this team offensively finds its rhythm. And they didn't take that path last night. Whether that was Toronto that took it away or, you know, they just made a decision to go a different direction. It didn't seem like the normal path that really gets this team going offensively on nights in which they're good. Yeah, no, I agree. It's 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 one of those things like that game last night, it's one you just kind of want to throw away. If you watch the film, like I don't even think the game was lost offensively. JMV, I really think it was lost defensively. No question. If, yes. If you watch that game, like the transition defense was terrible. The paint defense was terrible. The pick and roll coverage defense was terrible. Like the rotations, guys were late to everything, not in the right spots. I mean, it was, it was pretty bad. So uh, yeah, I, I honestly just felt like if the Pacers could have, Keened in a little bit more on like, okay, we're up for the big game like we were against Dallas for the for Toronto. Maybe mentally they're a little bit more engaged in it. But it's it's been a large sample size now of how they've come out against uh, teams in the second half of a back to back. And you know, I'm just I'm just hoping that eventually they can get rid of that. They only have one more back to back left this season. Uh, it's a couple weeks from now on a Wednesday night against Chicago. So that's not going to be an easy game either because Chicago is a uh, a team that likes to muck things up. So I, I think that. They're just going to have to, you know, dig in right now and prove that this was just a one-time thing and they're they're playing their better basketball as the season comes down to the final 20 games. He is Alex Golden on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Upon the Neesmith return to the starting lineup, should Matherin have solidified himself to be a part of that when Neesmith is back? You know, it, it does make some sense because of how well he's played offensively and, and the things that he can do, but I, I don't really see the point of doing that, Jamie. I, I still think that the bench has been fine without Mather on the bench, but, you know, last night I thought the bench had some nice moments, but mo- most of the best moments came with Matherin with the bench, and I think that's kind of where the Pacers can, can utilize Matherin as more of a of a scorer in what he is because when – when he was playing against Dallas, like he was not being a scorer. Basically his goal was to be, you know, the Aaron Neesmith role, uh, play defense, two threes when you're open, attack, occasionally get rebounds, but it wasn't like be that focal point offensively. I just feel like that bench lacks that type of score. If they, uh, 
if they don't put Matherin back in that unit. So I think you got to ride it out with Nimhard and Neesmith how they have been and just continue to let Matherin kind of cook as the as the guy in the second unit, the focal point for the Pacers. Alex Golan setting the pace, the podcast. Uh, Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline, here on 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. Defensively, they do this, and that's just who they are. And I guess it's probably more the results or lack thereof. But I hate it because they so easily switch outside and whomever they're playing gets whatever matchup that they want. And that causes an issue out front. For example, if it's miles onto a guard and then you have a guard trying to check out the big below, that just doesn't seem to have any workable legs to me whatsoever. I know that's what they do, and I'm sure they're going to continue to do it. But night in and night out, I see that easy switching defensively as so problematic for this group. Yeah, I mean, the switches with this team, I think that they're not good enough defensively. Uh, You know, Turner against guards and switch is not great. Uh, Anytime Halliburton switching on anybody, that's not good either. So, yeah, I – I, I, I think you're right. They do switch some, but if you watch a lot of the game last night, they were in drop coverage a lot, and they were not doing a good job of, you know, stopping Toronto from getting into their action. They were kind of reacting more than, you know, forcing them to play a different way. They could have hedged a little bit more, a little, they could have iced a little bit more. So I would have enjoyed seeing that just because they could have made things more difficult for Toronto. But with the way this team is currently at, like even Siakam, I, I know that people really are kind of hit or miss on his defense. There's times when he really plays solid defense, but I also think – uh, his screen navigation can be a little bit difficult sometimes. If you watch some of the film where he gets screened, it's like he's really <laughs> struggling to get through it. And Matherin obviously is a guy that struggles with screen navigation, which is what makes Andrew Nimhart so special too, is like his ability to get through that. So I think switching is r- okay in the right situation, but they have to really pick and choose when they want to do that because too often they're going to allow themselves to be vulnerable with the mismatches they're allowing uh, for their defense and, and letting the offense have the advantage. Who do you think their best on-ball defender is? Yeah, I still think it's an Emhart. I, I know Neesmith is probably right up there with him. Neesmith might be a little bit more physical, but at the same time, I just feel like Nimhard is a better screen navigator. I feel like he puts pressure on the ball. Like we saw early in that Mavericks game, Benedict Matherin was guarding Luka Doncic, and that was not working out. So they switched it and put Nimhard on him. And even last night against Toronto, like Nimhard was just constantly being physical, whether it was, you know, he's guarding the ball right there or the the Raptors or the Mavericks were taking the ball out of bounds. Like he constantly had a, a hand on who he was guarding, just making it tougher than like letting them know, like I'm here the whole time. So I just, I feel like his on-ball defense is very special. And that's what I think is going to keep him in the starting lineup over Matherin when Neesmith comes back. Uh, as well as the secondary playmaker. You think the uh, trading of, of Buddy Heald and the settling in with Doug McDermott, uh, it makes this team a lot worse offensively, as we've seen. And listen, it's not like Buddy Heald is tripping the light fantastic. I mean, he's had some bad <laughs> nights and some good nights, but it is just the overall threat. I'm, I'm telling you, with McDermott, sometimes they choose not to guard him. Alex, and he's a guy that you you should put out there and teams need to recognize or you want them to recognize they at least had to close out a little bit, but there hasn't seemed like that there's been much concern there. And I can see why. Yeah, no, I mean, Doug's been bad uh, for the Pacers since he's been here, and I hate to say that because, you know, Doug's a good guy, but that's the best thing you can say about a guy that's playing basketball. Kind of shows you where he's standing at, right? I mean, I, 
I, I like the idea of Doug McDermott better than the actuality of who Doug McDermott has been so far with this team. When I was an injury, I think Carlisle said he's going to be out uh, Wednesday against the Pelicans. So, um, to me, he does bring four spacing to a degree, but yeah, nobody's going to respect him the way they respect Buddy. And not to mention, Buddy could actually put the ball on the floor too, which Doug is not really going to be doing either. So, Buddy is a much better player than Doug McDermott offensively and defensively because McDermott is such a liability defensively. I, I think that it just kind of hurts the pace a little bit when he's out there. So if, I, if I'm Coach Carlisle, I, I don't know how you don't make this decision, but I, I just go all in on Ben Shepard getting those backup minutes uh, next to Matherin with that second unit, and I just pulled Doug completely from that second man uh, rotation just because I just don't think he's going to provide enough for you in terms of winning. You disappointed they had to go that direction. I knew I had you had Chad on, and I, you know Chad explained to me why why they had to do it, and and I know he didn't say this, but in in not so many words, I I just came to the conclusion that they felt compelled to because that's that's what Buddy wanted. Buddy wasn't going to be happy with his situation, but still in terms of how you present your team now it has made it especially offensively much worse even if he's not knocking down shots he's a threat to be out there and that's something spacing wise that you can notice and maybe that's a reason here or there why the ball also sticks yeah i mean chad chad did a great job of trying to explain it without giving too many details throwing any information out there publicly so You know, what, what do you expect, right? I love, I, mean, I love Chad, too. So Chad said a lot without saying a lot. I love it. Love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's good. That's good, you know, uh, that's, front officing, I that's guess. That's GM and 101 right there. Yeah, because yeah. Chris Ballard will talk forever and not tell you a damn thing and then have everybody around here that covers him say that he's telling you everything. So transparent yeah. he is, and he's not telling you jack squat. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, we know Buddy Hill requested a trade, and obviously there was reports out there, I think by Greg Doyle earlier in the season, that Buddy wanted a hefty contract, probably around like $25 million a year, which was just way too much that the Pacers couldn't offer that to him. So they did not see eye to eye. You have to wonder, maybe there was you know, frustration in the locker room with Buddy Hill, like knowing he was about to be traded. Maybe he was making it a little bit miserable, especially when I, they I think did. that's true. I think that there's some truth to that, yes. Yeah. So I think, honestly, like it was more so just like, okay, could we ride this out for the rest of the year potentially, but is it going to be more of a distraction than it is going to be, you know, a solution to our problems? I think they kind of weighed that out and said, okay, let's do it. We're going to get like your favorite word, JMB, some draft capital oh, here God. as well. So they got some draft capital. Maybe they did solve some of that locker room tension that could have been there. And then, you know, they just, they do a good job of, uh, you know, going out and getting another shooter to kind of help provide what buddy brought in terms of spacing, at least on the fourth, that second unit. But, yeah, I mean, the idea was it made sense why they did it, especially with the whole contract situation. But, yeah, they definitely – I think they know this, and they just – I don't know if they publicly admit it or not, but they took a step back overall on talent. 33-26 and 26 right now. Is this a better spot, kind of where you thought, or worse than what you thought going into the season? Yeah, I mean, I think this is better than what I thought. I mean – I had them around like 41, 42 wins coming into the year. So, you know, maybe they're kind of on pace for that still, but I think they can reach 45 wins. That wouldn't shock me at all. So they're in a good spot. I think they've played really good basketball. Tyrese Halliburton has ascended more than I expected him to ascend. I think Aaron Neesmith has taken a huge jump this year, uh, something I didn't see either. And then going out and getting Pascal, like, yeah, they, they've hit some bumps in the road along the way just because of the Tyrese injury, trading for Pascal, then trying to, 
reincorporate him and Tyrese together. I still think that they're figuring things out. It's been a little clunky. They've, they've found some good moments. They're a positive still when they're on the court together, which is a great sign. But they haven't dove fully into it. I still don't think Tyrese is 100% back by just watching him play. He doesn't look like the same guy before he went down with the injury. So uh, we've seen flashes of it, but not a consistency of it. So I, I think they're in a good spot. I think they're going to finish. I, w- I would hope they finish top six. I think they can still do it. Um, they got seven games, I think, left against the top 10 teams in the Eastern Conference. So that's not that many considering they have like 20 some, 20 plus left. So I think they have a good opportunity here, JMV, to kind of push past what the projections were earlier in the season and the offseason and, and kind of prove to people like, hey, they are better than people realize. And they're going to be, and I hate, I know people hate this word, but a tough out in, in, the, in a first round playoff matchup just because, you know, they've got enough talent to, to win any series, I think. So, I said 45 wins. Do you think that that is truly reachable, 45? Yeah, I think it's reachable. So, I mean, would you question why I'm griping so much then? Uh, in terms of... Yeah, just being just being pissy, like, on nights like last night or, you know, losing to teams you shouldn't lose to, you know, talking about effort. Should I be a little less pissy considering I said 45 wins and that's still a target? Yeah, I mean, I don't think you I don't think you should be less just because the fact is they have to win these kind of games. There's too many games that they have they've had against teams under five hundred that they've lost. So I, I personally understand your frustrations. It's very frustrating to watch them just play so flawlessly, not flawlessly, but really close to flawless against Dallas and just kind of put the clamps down and then they come out and just underperform against Toronto and maybe it's overlooking them, maybe it's not, I don't know, but I just think at the end of the day, this is a team that has to continue to mature, and it is frustrating when they don't do it. And I think Pascal said it like right, like yeah, these teams might be worse record-wise, but they're still in the NBA. They still have talent, and anybody can be anybody on any given night. But I think if the Pacers are really trying to separate themselves as a team at the top versus a team in the middle, they've got to win those games. So yeah, I, I completely think that your frustrations with this team and their bad losses is justifiable because. As a fan myself, I, I get frustrated seeing them be so inconsistent, and that's what makes it hard to believe like fully in what they can do. So Alice Golden setting the pace at Alice Golden NBA. You can find him on uh, X um, at Pacers Pod STP, and uh, you can find the Blue and Golden dot substack dot com for uh, other stuff as well with alex golden too i it's uh, I, I guess maybe 45 wins is what i'm thinking about but it just seems like that at this point they have left unfortunately a lot on the table which does lead to that particular disappointment hey by the way too alex so explain this to me Last night, I thought I'd get some anti-Miles stuff. I mean, 16 and 11, okay. I mean, he took the bench at the end of the game. They go small, and obviously that didn't help. But that's how Rick wanted to play that down the stretch. And I thought last night I'd take some. But I took some from idiots when he goes 33 and 8, and that went over Dallas on Sunday. So I take 33 and 8 from people with anti-Miles stuff after that win, and then nothing last night in a disappointing loss in which – yeah, I don't know if they. T- I don't think they took him off the floor because he was ineffective. I think they took him off the floor because they wanted to match up better with Toronto. Either way, it didn't work. But I didn't take anything on that loss last night. Yeah, that is a little bit surprising. I saw the people chirping at you after he had the great game, which didn't make any sense to me. I think but, it's up. Uh, there's uh, Pacer Digest people. Does that still exist? Pacers Digest. Just a bunch of no basketball knowing nerds. 
Does that still I exist? Don't think it does. I don't think it does, but I do know some people that were a part of that that have been on our show as fans of the week to, to test their Pacers trivia out. And there are some that I think really know their Pacers trivia and some that have not performed so well. So kind of gives you an idea of, you know, some are good on there, some are not, but Anyway, I mean, he gets blamed for he gets blamed for everything. Yeah, it, that's just the yeah. thing. He gets he gets no credit when he plays well. He gets all the blame when they don't every single time. And I, I think that yeah. just comes from knobs, no basketball knowing knobs. <laughs> no, and I agree with that. I mean, I, I think the only thing that hurt Miles' case was he wasn't at the podium after that game against Dallas. I did not understand that. Like they put Tyrese and Matherin up there, and I felt like Tim Hart and Turner were the two best players in that game against Dallas. So. I was a little bit surprised that he didn't I, you think that bugs him though. I don't think that bugs him, does it? I don't think it bugs him, but I don't think it helps his case for all these people that are like, "Oh, yeah, he didn't even get the podium game." You know what I mean? So, uh, people look for everything to make a big deal about it. You know how fans are when they're when they're haters and things like that. So. He can't even make Lego yeah. models. Why can't you even do that? I mean, he can't he even do that. People, just let him live his life. I mean, if I could build Legos like he does, heck, I'd be doing it all the time. I just don't have the patience for it. So. You know what? He's got the patience. He's got the paycheck, and he can make all that stuff. So, I think, hey, I think it's pretty awesome. I've always found it incredibly stupid of some dumbasses here that take a dude that loves being here, loves playing here, really enjoys being a part of it, does everything, even outside of basketball, off the floor, and to some of these jackasses treating him in the fashion in which they do is just ridiculous. It just is. And that's just yeah. it just goes to show you what kind of dumbasses we're dealing with. <laughs> it definitely does. And I and I think next year it's only gonna get worse because he'll be in that contract here once again <laughs> if he doesn't get an extension. So it can get worse. Wait a minute. Tell me, this could get worse? No. Uh, you're gonna hear more trade rumors next year if he doesn't get an extension then <laughs> in the offseason. So it's gonna be a long uh three hundred and sixty five days for you, J M V. But uh yeah, uh before I go though, I yes. have to ask you because we had Jeremiah Johnson on the podcast. And I, I know you were down, so maybe you didn't see the tweets, but he brought up how incredible Rack's roast beef place is. I've actually never been to Rack's. Uh, he was talking about the infamous chocolate chip milkshake and how great yeah. it is. And wanted to get your opinions on it because he said, you got to talk to JMV about this yes. the next time you get the opportunity. Rack's so, is one of the, the greatest places of all time. It's still located. They have locations still in Ohio, maybe a couple in Kentucky, but not very many. And I maintain, if somebody with deep pockets would bring one to central Indiana around here, that it would be a money-making machine. Have you ever come across anybody that's ever said a bad word about racks? Never, ever. It would print money if somebody could bring racks in a location to central Indiana. Absolutely print money. Yeah, I was going to say, I haven't heard anybody say anything bad about it because first time I've heard anybody talk about it was JJ on our podcast. <laughs> well, <laughs> they're, they're famous for their, their bacon, beef, bacon, and cheddar. Now, uh, we used to, it used to go by the initials, which in our world in which we live now, you, you can't do that anymore. Apparently, I found that out last year when people laughed at me about it. But um, that is their famous sandwich. But you're right, the milkshakes are top-notch. Racks, nobody's ever had a bad word about it. They used to be here everywhere. Small towns like Bedford, obviously Bloomington, in and around Indy, and they're no longer in Indiana. But if somebody were to bring it back, it would print money. Guaranteed. Well, I'm all for it, JMV. You start the petition. 
I just want to try the chocolate chip milkshake. I even thought about making a trip to Kentucky or Ohio yes. to, to get it just so I can say I've had it. The BBC sounds incredible. I mean, beef, bacon, and cheddar. Who doesn't yeah. like that? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm a fat boy, so I like fattening foods. It sounds right up my alley. So It is. Uh, it is great. I'm now, for it. And I got a friend named Jim Romanak and his lovely wife, Sarah. When they go to West Virginia, they come back and bring a bag full of racks for me. So it's always wow. awesome. So, yes, it is uh, It is beyond legit. And if somebody has deep pockets and can open up a location, bring it back. People always talk about In-N-Out Burger, if they could ever get that here, that that would work. Racks would work equally to that. People would flock mm. to it. You would print money easily. All right, JMV. Well, let's right, start buddy. the petition. Let's, let's try to get somebody <laughs> with some money to get it for us. You man. don't have to travel out of state. <laughs> Alex, I appreciate you, man. Thank you. All right, JMB, thank you. Alex Golden, at Alex Golden NBA. You got the Setting the Pace podcast and more with Alex on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. You guys agree with print money? Print money if you open. Anybody got, anybody have an investor that would want to fire up a Racks location? We'll see how much it costs to get the name and bring it back. Am I wrong? I've never heard anybody say, eh, Rack sucks. Eh, I don't like it. Never. I've, I've never been to Rack. Never. They're just like a. They're like roast beef and. It's like it's it's like, like an Arby's. Okay. Well, no disrespect to the Arby's, but it doesn't have like when you say Arby's, you go eh. Arby's right? is fine. Yeah, I mean it's not, and and it's more roast beef. Like Arby's used to be nothing but roast beef, and now it's nine thousand different things. Oh, they have everything. Like Racks, Racks was basically nothing but roast beef, and and known for milkshakes too. Legit printing money, James. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got it. Got to bring it back. Printing money. Quick one. We'll come back with you. Two three nine ten seventy. Let's get some calls on the other side. Got to go to a break quickly here. Ninety three five one zero seven five. The fan. Matherin reminds me of a year two Kobe Bryant. I will say this, Jeff. I would not go there with that just because automatically people will say, oh, no, no way. But I will say this. As far as his intentions, when he's on the basketball floor, he is hard ass at it. He is relentless at it. He goes at it hard so i don't know if i would make that direct comparison but in terms of how somebody goes after it especially on the offensive end you can make comparisons with his relentless pursuit that's how i view it And I mean in all areas, or as they like to say now, on all levels, offensively. He is hell-bent on getting at it. Now, does he have a lot to learn defensively? Sure. And there are times when, when what they do defensively, I don't even... Sometimes I wonder if it's just destined for failure. I... And I know that Alex mentioned, you know, drop coverages and that, but all I see at the top is teams easily getting the Pacers to switch into combinations in which those teams offensively really want. And I'm I'm assuming that's exactly what the Pacers do 
and they feel comfortable in it, but we've seen the all-too-familiar outcome. I can't lie, it does drive me nuts. It does not seem like that that is destined for productivity. But I'm not a defensive whiz by any stretch of the imagination. But I sure as hell can easily tell when you switch and you get into bad combinations, and that happens more times than not. And I think also it, it happens, and I know you get a 24-second shot clock, so it has to happen in a big hurry, but it normally takes like one ball screen, and that's about it. There's not much time wasted against the Pacers defensively with that that particular mentality level. But back to Matherin for a minute. Matherin, he he goes at it hard, and I love that. That mentality I love. The other thing is I, I wish – I'd anybody else, I'd always wanted to walk like that. He's got like the greatest strut slash walk of all time. Anybody else want to walk like that? Like he just like walks up. That's like a badass walk the way that it is. Hey, hey I'm a badass. Like, I walk up and I go, okay, great. He just got that strut. He's got that basketball, I'm here to kick your butt strut. I love that. Not everybody has it either. And I don't think it's something that you work on. You either have it or you don't. But I do love the mentality, Jeff. I do. And even if you have a lot of things to learn defensively, let's just face it, this team has a lot of things to learn defensively. I think this coaching staff has a lot of things to learn defensively. Uh, Tony says, I appreciate the acronym drop from Rax from Alex. And if you could tell, I, I tried to warn him of that because I have fallen victim to that before as well. from John. My man JMV with the best take I've heard in a while. A Rax here in Indy would print money. I'm telling you it would. Anybody disagree with that? Joe says, I thought Rax went out of business. All the Rax locations in Indiana did. There are still locations. I don't know how much it costs. I'm assuming that they are independently run with the Rax name. But there are a handful in Ohio, maybe one or two in Kentucky. And that's about it. But you could go to town with a Racks location around here. Hey, tomorrow's show is going to be, as you probably have heard already, live from the NFL Combine. It's going to be a hell of a time. That's coming up tomorrow. 239-1070 is the number. I'm going to go here, line three. Pot him up here. Chris, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, John. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm going to back you till till they prove us wrong uh, on Miles. I'm telling you right now, they all act like Miles is the cause of the issue and whatever. Well, what, who else is out there anyway that's just heads above him that's not, you know, MVP or something? But besides that, that's not even why I called, but I always want to let you know, you and I talked about him many times and 
we're on the same page with him. We need that. Yeah, guy. And, and you know what? It's not every game. Like I'll I'll say it when it's not working, but he He's is he, MVP, Yeah, so. he is the guy. He and I I've, I've tried to think Chris before of how to compare him to others, and my comparison is is Jim Caldwell. When Jim Caldwell was here, when they won, he had nothing to do with it. When they lost, he had everything to do with it. And that's how sure. people around us, sure. some some numbnuts around here a few miles. Yeah, yeah. Well, here here's my purpose to call, and I, I just crossed my brain. I said, man, I'm going to call John tomorrow on this one. So Matherin, you know who he, his game models behind, in my opinion, and it's a nice piece to have because if you remember the guy I'm about to mention, it was the team I think that had the best chance to win the championship, but it was uh, our test. He's a little smaller, but his attitude, his yeah. his – once he gets his brain together and wants to play that hard defense, has a little chip on the shoulder towards everybody. Yes, I, I would agree uh, with that. Yeah. He's not a he's not a great jumper, hot hopper, but man, you know, he 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 can, but he reminds me of our test a little bit and how he plays the game. Yeah, you, you talk agree? about being being hard nosed and going at it like that. That's how I tried to explain it. And you know, people have brought up Jimmy Butler before, things of that. Yeah. I, I think all of those you can take some examples and characteristics away, and just in terms of Matherin and the style in which he plays, equate some of those aspects to him. Absolutely, in our test numbers, you know, in his heyday with Pacers, probably about nineteen a game. Uh, but a lot of that stat sheet was not, you know, uh, filled up with what he really brought. So, you know, anyway, I wanted to share that with awesome. you. Awesome. Yep. Chris, thank you very much for the call. I would agree. There are a lot of aspects you could take away from his game. I just, he is hard nose and all business. And I dig that. Tina's up next at 239-1070. Tina, welcome to the show. How are you? Hello, Hello, Tina. It's you. Hello. Hello. Is this Tina? Mom, yeah, we were wondering about the border collies. No. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I probably ought to talk with you. Can I talk with you guys after the show? Can I have Corbin take down your number? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Oh, I'll put him on hold and get their number, Corbin. So in case you didn't hear the story a little bit earlier, I, I kind of said it not so much in jest. So we had uh, evidently a dog roll up on my mom's property in Greene County here in the past two weeks and dropped a litter of seven puppies like on her property. And of course, there's my mom taking them all in. So I was asking people if uh, anybody needs any puppies kind of half-assedly, but also a little bit seriously. Because I went down there and I go, what in the world are you doing? And then automatically, I just get ripped for it. So what would you do, huh? So you wouldn't take care of them? So you wouldn't feed them? So you wouldn't help them? That's what I get. I go, no, listen, I just don't want you to be overwhelmed here. So I'm trying to help. Thank you guys for that call. Uh, Jay's up next. Jay, welcome to the show. Hey, John. It was great listening to the, uh, what's it called, the takeover Saturday night. I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed you calling in. That was a Tom Petty song, Free Fallen, from Jay on the North Side. Well done. Right. I had to, I went to my first Pacer game in over three years last night. Yes. And I, I thought Doug McDermott, he just stays in the corner. They need to make better use of him. So I thought, but we should have kept Buddy Heal because Doug McDermott's <laughs> well, worthless. The, the, he, the better use of him is being on the bench. Dad. Yeah, in, what? Yeah, 
Yeah, it's not. He's not played. Jay, he's not played well. I got to hit a break here. Thank you for the call. I'll call you on or check with you on Saturday night, too, on the Jamby takeover. No, he's been awful. He's been awful. And, and to me, I, I said this to Alex a little bit earlier. When he was out there, they, they really don't even respect his jumper anymore. And they kind of half acidly close him out. Listen, I know that they were put in a position with the buddy deal. You just wish that they could have somehow worked that out. And they couldn't, right? They could not. But what you take away, even in not shooting well, is a lot offensively in losing Buddy Heal. And that has been zero replacement, no doubt. Quick break. We'll come back with your calls and a lot more. 93.5107.5 The Fan. All right, tonight could get some jacket off type of weather around here, so be weather aware. I just got this from uh, Green County. The I had no idea this exists. Uh, Green County Emergency Management Agency. Um, yeah, if you're asking what that is, I, I thought that that was just some dude that rolls around with a plow on the front of his truck. I guess it is more than that, but they did send out, keep your eyes, this is from Greene County, toward the sky. And it said, the Weather Channel advises that Greene County is in, I've never heard of this before. Any weather people out there, you weather nerds know this? Toracon 5? What the hell's that? Greene County is in Toracon 5, which evidently is the highest and... Most severe tornado rating. The Toric. What the hell's Toricon? I have never heard of that. All right, before. weather dorks. I need a little help. Toricon. This is for Green County. Toricon five. So are we backwards? Because DEFCON one is the worst. DEFCON four is peace. Toricon five is the worst. How do you spell it? Toricon. Like T. Well, I mean, this is from Green County, so who knows? <laughs> T, it's spelled evidently T-O-R-A-C-O-N, although maybe it's spelled T-O-R-A-K-K-O-N. Who knows? Toracon 5. Well, when I Google Toracon the way you spelled it, I get a convention for anime, cosplay, and nerd culture. (laughs) (laughs) So somebody's just making it up down in Green County? Why? Quite possibly. Come on, man. Uh, Andrew's at 239-1070. Andrew, welcome to the show. Hello, Andrew. Hey. Go ahead, man. Go ahead, Andrew. Let me take it off speakerphone. Hey, um, you were talking about racks earlier. I was. As of last July, there's still one open in Peoria, Illinois as well. Oh, there's one in Illinois, too. So Illinois, Ohio, and Kentucky. Thank you for the call, too. I do have to run here, Andrew. Uh, we got to get one in Indiana. Somebody, again, has got some cash, an investor or two out there. Racks would work. I've got to go in 10 seconds or less. Dennis, jump on here quickly. JMV, I want to give you your flowers concerning Miles Turner. If he scores 30, there's always going to be somebody who says he needs to score 40. If he gets 10 rebounds, there's always going to be somebody that says he needs to get 20. Guys around the league respect 
this man, and gotcha. they would love to have him on their team. Thank you. Dennis, thank you very much. Thank you, Corbin. Thank you, James. Tomorrow, the NFL Combine, Shane Steichen, Ian Rappaport, and Matt Miller from ESPN tomorrow. Be weather aware tonight. Use caution. Make sure everybody's okay with the weather on the way in. We'll be back tomorrow, NFL Combine style at 3, 93.5 and 107.5, the Fed. Have a great night. Be safe.